silly, silly, ugly creatures that you would not want to run into in a dark alley. Hey, boomers, welcome once again to the podcast that has a brain load of information primed to perfection. It's Sonic the... <laughs> One brain load between two guys. <laughs> it's your favorite fortnightly online guide to the Sega-sational world of the 1990s and the UK's official comic, Sonic the Comic. We are the humans who think we're in charge. My name is Chris McFeely. And my name is Dave Bulmer, and we're here with issue number 124, which has a new format of date. Isn't that exciting? Exciting stuff, folks! Chris, you'll have to translate it for me. What does it really mean? It says... 25th of February to the 10th of March. Is that is that giving us the both dates that yes. we would have previously had to consider? That's right. The covers have now changed to include the span of time on which the news agent wow. is to have the comic on shelves. Released on the 25th of February and taken off sale on the 10th of March. That's exciting. That is... All right, it's set, not exciting. Settle down. <laughs> it's not exciting. Don't worry. Don't worry now. There's more exciting tales of distribution to come oh, in the good. course of this issue. But for us, <laughs> that I find that much more useful than the old method. I'm glad they've done that. I mean, look, it makes it easier for me to figure out which entries to put in the diary zone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sits atop a Mick McMahon cover for this issue of Sonic. Quite a good one. Trapped. In a, it's quite good. I mean... Of all the people who draw the bad wrong Sonics, <laughs> there is something about the way Mick McMahon draws him that offends me the most. I think that same quality offends me the least because... You're not used to seeing him having ever drawn it any other way. Well, maybe. No, it's because his drawings of Sonic do not say, this is what it would look like if you were looking at Sonic right now. It's like an, an, an ancient mural or something. It's like... An abstraction. Yeah, it's like a mosaic. It's the way the ancients might have depicted Sonic. <laughs> all angles and strangeness. And so I'm able to see it as pure snaz. Just snazziness. Um, but yes, spikes go the wrong way, Dave. The spikes, spikes go, go the, the wrong, wrong way. way. They go so the wrong way. They're all at sixes and sevens. His middle spike isn't even hardly a spike. It's just a, mm. a long, wide, flat lump. And then he's got all these little pine cone spikes just coming out from all. Yeah, it's it's. There's nothing right about it. Correct. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting how we have those two different ways of looking at it. Well, I just, I find this, when I said it's a good one, what I mean is it catches the eye, it's bright, it's colourful. Oh, it's a nice composition. The layout, the composition. It's a nicely yeah, yeah, put yeah. together image, yes. That's it. If we're looking for what's a representative drawing of the person known as Sonic the Hedgehog, then, no, this is a very weird one. <laughs> person? Yeah. The individual known as Sonic. Yeah. Entity. <laughs> no, too corporate. Um, the, the being. <laughs> the figurehead. Yes. <laughs> Tragic Moments, the uh, the cover line reads, yeah. which is, I think, interesting nope. because it's another absolutely, completely random mm. cover line that has no bearing on anything. But this one, I can immediately identify what they're punning on. Mm -hmm. Magic, magic moments. moments. But they've gone for tragic moments. But there's nothing. Yes. Magic What's... moments, that's nothing to do with anything that's what in the What magic comic. moments are they? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. It's the same. No. But it, it does often come back to a song, doesn't it? And the magic moments is a song that we... What chocolates yeah. did we know it from? Was it Quality Street? Was it Quality Street? Was it? It was that or Roses. It was one of them, wasn't it? It was Quality Street. And there isn't really a representative example of an advert of it that I could just put on here and it would audioly make sense. Magic moments. And that's all I know. 
Oh. <laughs> when two hearts are caring, I think. When two hearts, something. And I remember that line because uh, a boy in my class was singing it and he thought the words were, got too hot and carry. And we were like, well, that's nonsense. I don't know what you're saying there. He's like, oh, sorry, I didn't write the song. That's how it does what it goes. Like, uh... <laughs> and so that's always stuck with me. Got to God to heart. And he went and on to found the internet's yeah. first lyrics website <laughs> with only true and correct transcriptions of all lyrics ever. <laughs> I wouldn't be at all surprised. Tragic moments, heroic hedgehog held captive. And we have this picture of Sonic trapped in a crackling energy bubble yes. as some goon faced Mobians look on. Yes, they are quite goon faced, especially this one, the, the the one who's where the lightning kind of cuts across the mustache area. That that he does look very silly, doesn't he? McMahon Mobians, just silly, silly, ugly creatures that you would not want to run into in a dark alley. <laughs> Sonic should just let them all get turned into robots, shouldn't he? I prefer the way McMahon draws Badniks to the way he draws Mobians, so yeah. Well that just shows you what a hero Sonic the Hedgehog is. Defender of the people, even the horrible Even the horrible ones. Even the Mingo Grotters. <laughs> But don't worry, because he's Sonic, he'd let them know that they were <laughs> big, stinky, poo-faced, ugly freakos. <laughs> he leaves them a card every time. Anyway, what else we got? Double Sonic, order and chaos. That's the two aspects that make yeah. it double. Double Sonic, Both order, order and, and chaos. chaos yeah. <laughs> Knuckles, porkers Oscar. <laughs> I chuckled at that one. <laughs> It's complete nonsense. Even though, again, it's one of those, yeah, it's one of those STC copy jokes where it's like, get it? Another phrase that doesn't apply. As if Porker had won an award? Yeah, a different thing. Uh, An Amy and Techno, Monster Mash. The Monster Mash. Most boring possible tagline you could use for a story involving a monster. A monster. Unless it's a monster potato, in which case it's turned around to being good again. If that had been the tagline for that vegetables one... Would have been happy. Plus, a charmy with two E's misspelled charmy oh, oh. B chaotic pinup. That is how it was spelt at one point, though, wasn't it? I don't know. I was hoping you could. <laughs> draw no, no. In, uh... I, I only draw my information from this podcast. I seem to remember that when it started, he was he was charmy first. Oh, at some point within the context of STC, his name has also previously yeah. been written as charmy with two E's. Uh, that's what I mean. In yeah. story, I wonder if there's more to it. Oh, was that going to be his name in the With game? different sources, you know? Yeah. Or did we just assume because it's Charmy B that they should rhyme Charmy B? Well, and honestly, the early stuff that they would have been sent about the development of the game, or even early reviews or anything, would have just been anglicised from Japanese characters anyway. So yeah. they would have all decided every time how to spell it. Well, I mean, yeah, Charmy in Japanese would be written M-I. So yeah. instead of M, instead of yeah, anything. Yeah. So who knows? Uh, there may well be an answer. Write in if you know. Answers on a stamped self-addressed envelope. On a B version of a postcard. <laughs> like a B's postcard. <laughs> on a hexagonal postcard. <laughs> Just a Milky Way advert from last issue on the back, so let's head inside. Hey, boomers, says Megadroid, be on the alert for Dungeons and Drakens. In this issue, boomers, because the humes who think they're in charge may treat me like a captive sometimes, but my problems are nothing compared with those facing your favourite STC heroes. Just, uh, I've said before, and I've probably mispronounced it a few times in the course of the podcast, that I always imagined when I was young that it was pronounced Dracons for whatever reason. Mm. And obviously we've since been corrected by Nigel Ketching, and we always try to pronounce it Dracon. I'm sure a few mispronunciations have slipped through. 
But um, it's one of those, isn't it? They're just based on the way it's spelled. Yeah. Both pronunciations are equally correct. But uh, I feel like that would have told me the correct pronunciation had I read this particular story in my youth. Yes, and opposite on the other page, the planet Drac. Yes, it kind of makes you think. Oh, okay. I think what it is is that you want a second K for it to be Dracon. Kind of. But anyway, a Megadroid then just, as ever, runs through the content of the comic and just tells us that there's a bulging bag waiting for us in speed lines. Bulging post bag, that is, but I did have to read that <laughs> sentence twice. <laughs> now, is this the heartbreak you're referring to? Oh my god. Because I've written Dave. heartbreak in my notes. <laughs> that was my word. That was the exact word I used out loud as I read the comic to describe this moment. Yeah. Dave shatter oh the God. audience's hearts and dreams i mean i'm so i'm so sorry everyone i, I almost wish that, that, that we'd made this more of a thing so that the heartbreak would be even more palpable but like sonic merchandise there's just a little extra little box little at the box. bottom here nothing nothing in the way of a real extra feature for the control zone this issue no they've got they've, there's no news going on there's nothing to talk about so instead they're basically sick and tired of you writing to them saying like can i have a copy of sonic 3 please so they say, boomers with merchandise and games queries, please con- well, people, some boomers will still be writing in hoping there'll be another Q-Zone. So they'll be like, can you give me some tips with this? And they're like, no. Mm. Please contact Sega, as neither STC nor Seymour, and then in brackets, STC's distributors yep. can deal with your inquiry. Guys, Seymour is a company. Seymour's not a it's man. It's not that little old Seymour's not the little old man who dealt with the back issue who, concerns. He's somebody who worked. The little man at who worked. Seymour. In yeah. That's what a shame because it's awful. We love Seymour. Do you know what podcast. makes it even worse? What? Is that Seymour has been the distributor of STC oh. since issue 47 uh, and it's been written in the Indicia just there on the uh, uh, control zone for several years now at this point. <laughs> is it <laughs> See, well, well, yes, but distribution stroke trade, Seymour, Windsor House, 1270 London Road, London, etc, etc, etc. I don't know, I could have still looked at that and thought that they were talking about a person. Yeah, well, you wouldn't have, would you? Maybe not. It was only because it was that, that beautiful crystal moment <laughs> where we were talking about both the old yeah, man yeah. and then found... And it was partly because, do you remember there was that contest i don't remember what the contest was yes, for at this point this is it a computer contest or something wasn't yeah. it where you were directed to send your entries to april at this yeah other business so as soon as we saw on that subscription coupon what can't have been more than half a dozen issues ago surely send coupons to seymour yeah. this address we just assumed it all just fitted together so beautifully but no seymour is an awful corporate entity not a charming old man well, what if amanda or april or whoever she was what if that was a company as well you never know <sighs> That didn't feel like it though. That that I think she had a second name. I don't think I don't know that it did, honestly. No. That felt like a very Mickey Mouse operation, whatever was going on there <laughs> with that contest. Or what if, though? What if? It's little old Seymour. Seymour In the office, in the distribution office. What if he's done so well that he has opened a business called Seymour and he's been allowed to continue distributing STC under that business. What if he's the guy that founded it? Exactly. And he still works... Seymour. Why would you call a company Seymour if you weren't called Seymour? He still works the same job he did then, yeah. putting the comics in the envelopes. Yeah. It's just a one-man operation. Yeah. I think Seymour will go down in history alongside Blades the Pterodactyl and Truffles the Pig Kidna as the one of the great character finds of Sonic the Comic the Podcast. And I invite you now to to draw 
what you think Seymour must look like. Work in the mailroom there, stuffing <laughs> piles of STCs into envelopes. Legs completely broken, dragging it behind him as he <laughs> heaves huge bags. Of- I'm s- heartbroken. Heartbroken. Now, that, remember, that man was a real person that Dave spoke to on the phone yeah. when he was a child. He definitely existed. Yeah. He was a real human yeah. being. I'm just heartbroken to find mm. out his name's not Seymour. Seymour. <laughs> just yeah. really sad that those two things didn't line up. It was so exciting to get to know him better, weren't we? we? Yeah, we yeah. really thought. <laughs> Order and Chaos, Part 2. Written and coloured by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, letters by Tom Frame. As Grimer and the Dracons begin boxing up the Chaos Emeralds, the Floating Island's guardian robots swarm into the chamber to stop them. Sonic avails of the distraction to slip his bonds and snatches the Master Emerald, knowing that the Dracons will be unable to use the others without it. While escaping with the gem, Sonic runs into Tails, But before the pair can put their heads together, they're interrupted by an unexpected flash of energy. Mm. I'm not sure what I thought about this one, you know. Okay. Not that it was bad in any way or anything like that. No. But, um, so we open on a scene of, as you intimated there earlier on, the planet Drac. Yes. Home of the mighty Dracon Empire. Seen here from space in the dimension in which it exists. And it is another full-on Jack Kirby view of space. 100%, yeah. I feel like I, I, we can't keep pointing this out when it is so regular and obvious now at this point, but the Dracon Empire has 100% been Richard Elson indulging his Kirby side. Well, I mean, I think this, perhaps more than any previous shot of space, the special zone, anything, there's something about it's the crinkly splashes uh, the stripes of splosh across space it's all the not kirby dots exactly but like kirby dot asteroid belts everywhere it's just incredibly reminiscent the only way this could be more of a jack kirby rendition of outer space would be if it was a photo collage he'd made himself (laughs) oh and i love by the way that the editors have put the title box going behind the main planet Very nice touch. Nice little touch. Lovely stuff. So the planet itself, it looks kind of like a barren rock. You know, it's all, it's Mm. coloured in rock purple, uh, brown purple. But it has what appears to be canals and roads all over it and then some sort of dome. So I'm guessing they're more of an underground sort of... Oh, well, they're fish, aren't they? I suppose there'll be water under there that the domes cover. Well, they live in their suits. It's, it seems they go through their day-to-day lives in their suits, so... Yeah, they've yeah. left behind the sea. I presume that the domes must be what the cities are inside. It's got to be, because maybe it's just that it's coloured as a single unit, but it looks barren. It very much does, yes. I don't think that's unintentional in the illustration. No. It's so grey. Mm. This is probably me reading way, way too much into this, mm-hmm. but it's going to be my headcanon unless proven otherwise. From this view of the planet, we see these three domes mm. scattered about uh, sort of equidistantly uh, on the planet. Oh, yeah. I wonder. Of course. One dome per house? Yes. A dome for the house of war, a dome for the house of knowledge, and a dome for the house of magic? Yeah. Why not? Why on earth not? Why not? And they seem to be, you know, they're on... One is basically every side of the planet. They make the planet look quite small. Yes. But one has to imagine that they are colossally enormous. The domes or the domes. dracons? The domes. <laughs> yeah. <guys. laughs> They're just big. It's also part of it is the channels, these lines mm. cut into the surface of the planet. Yeah. It all combines to create a sense of yes, small. But, you know, many drawings of planets in sci-fi do that, you know. That's true, but it's like you can see the rivets from space here, you know? Yeah. 
So yeah, perhaps it's just a really small house, and that's why they're all at each other's throats and conquering the universe. Fighting it, over the one master bedroom in their house. <laughs> yeah. Did I say house? I meant planet. You did say house. Yeah, then. I thought I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little house they live in. And it's all just full of water, and the fish just flop around it, and they have to leave their suits outside. That's it. Anyway, so we're taking a look at planet Drac, so we can drop in with the Emperor. And, and again, this is not a criticism, but it is irrelevant as a scene. It's nice to get a look at Drac, but I didn't need to see Grimer phoning the Emperor hmm. to say, I'm getting the emeralds for you, and for him to say, oh yeah, I'm going to use the emeralds to do evil. Um, we could have picked up from where the end of the previous issue left off with the second page, you know? Yes, we could, but I don't know, I think it adds something to it, because it establishes that this is bigger than something Grimer's doing. There's a, a big bad that he's doing this for. Well, we knew that already. Yeah, if we're long-term readers, this is for new guys, isn't it? I suppose. Uh, but but it's not even that in isolation. Mm -hmm. Because then we have the scene of Sonic tries to tell the Dracons, if you take the emeralds, the island will fall out of the sky. Mm -hmm. And the prosecutor goes, we'll all be killed! Don't listen to the hedgehog. I have worked it out. After we take the emeralds, there will be enough emerald power in the island's systems to keep it in the sky for a couple of hours. <laughs> Plenty of time for us to escape. So they start removing the emeralds. And that is a kind of an important detail to add. I like that. It's extremely consistent that the island can stay in the sky for a couple of hours. Like, I'm pretty sure we yes. saw that happening during the Sonic and Knuckles story. times, yeah. Yeah, uh, they nicked the Master Emerald and uh, it stayed up there. And Knuckles was even able to... To shoot the... Do pew-pews. To do pew-pews. I just, I love the way Nigel writes a comic that he would have been forgiven for just kind of not really leaning on old continuity or whatever. But there's this casual ongoing reality all the time. Yeah, if... The island stayed up in the sky for an hour or so 50 issues ago, and it's going to do it again now. Uh, 70 issues ago? Yeah. Gosh. And it's just going to do it again now, and that's that's comforting. There's something nice about sitting in that ongoing reality. So the other robots come storming in, uh, and Sonic uses it. He says he's been secretly weakening the manacles that he's been trapped in with his sonic speed. Yes, he's been wiggling. Yeah, He's just vibrating constantly. Real flash-type speed power stuff. And he just smashes his way out. And then we flip the page to get yeah. a very unexpected double page spread. Yeah. And it was at this point that I was like, oh, okay, so this is a middle chapter in a story where Kitching knows where he wanted the first bit to end, and he knows where he wanted the second bit to end. And the bit in between is just, it is expanding to fill the volume of the pages provided. Yes, I wondered if that was what this double page spread was about. Yeah, because this is just a normal fight for Sonic. It's not like that big of a yes, deal. So this is not whenever Knuckles Metallics punched him so hard he flew outside the comic. Mm. <laughs> that awesome as balls, <laughs> hugely unexpected. You flip the page and he went, Whoa! and I uh, and. Actually, I will be fair, I did flip the page and I went, because it comes upon you unexpectedly. Well, that's the thing. It's always value for money. We're never going to not like a Richard Elson double-page spread, are we? That's it. And so what this is of is Sonic essentially cranging everyone in the room all at once. He's yep. zipping around, he's hitting all of the big sentinels, and meanwhile the floating island robots are here and there, flailing their bendy arms around and punching the remainder. But there isn't much of a remainder, you know, he's getting most of them. And there's just the one speech bubble from him as well in the whole page. Nobody's, it's not filled up with dialogue or anything. And I really like this line. This is getting out of hand. There's got to be something I can do that doesn't get me involved in another dumb fight with all these bozos. <laughs> it's Sonic, he's trying to eject from the comic here. He's just sick of it all. Ugh. 
Here's some bozos. He certainly looks like it. He's just pointing right up at us, just trying to get out of the comic. Yeah, here's some bozos. I know what's going to happen here. He's going to have to end up fighting them all. What can I do instead? God, these guys suck so much. <laughs> he's just saying to himself, if it was Robotnik, he'd totally be up for bopping him in his nose. Exactly. And as this fight goes on, as this big action splash happens, we can see Grimer in the top right-hand corner, fitting the emeralds into a special power device thingy, which is like a big metal asterisk. Yes. With a big hole in the middle that he puts the master emerald in, and little holes all the way in the spokes around the edge that he puts the others in. They're obviously circuit-connected up to the master emerald, and he's going to be able to... He's invented this. He's going to be able to both use their power and cart them about more easily at the same time. It's like a... It's like an advanced... McDonald's cup holder. (laughs) (laughs) It's just really nice. It just tickles the back of your brain that enjoys... Mm. Your brain specifically, Dave, but all brains, Uh that enjoys six of something that all look the same but are different different colours and arranges them into a very pleasing pattern. For if you have forgotten, listeners, STC, one of its non-canonical goofs, is that it does depict the Master Emerald as the Green Emerald of the regular seven emeralds instead of an additional emerald uh, beyond the group. So there are still only seven total. The Master Emerald, the Green Emerald, and the six others. Which this issue uh, have been corrected back to their classic STC colours of yellow and orange instead of a pink one being there instead of the orange one like was last issue. Mm, Thank goodness we don't have what they do in the games where you've got the light-based colours or whatever it is, where you've got two blue ones. Nonsense. Blur. Nonsense. A light blue and a dark blue. Blur. That's the only thing that's different, though. You know, instead instead of a light blue one, a cyan one specifically, mm. we get a, an orange one. Well, I, I prefer that. That's lovely, I think. Yes, it creates a rainbow effect yes, instead of just exactly. having two blue ones. Why wouldn't you want a rainbow effect? But, I mean, this is the thing is that we're complaining about there being two blue emeralds. Mm. And in a rainbow, there's two purples. Yeah, but purple's good, though. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why, you know... Often you'll just, whenever you just want to do six colours of anything, you'll do red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, and not be pissing about with indigo. That's the thing. Indigo? What's indigo? Yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? What indigo, what I tell you what indigo is, indigo is that the beautiful rainbow has been arbitrarily chopped up. He's no better than Sonic Team deciding what colours the Chaos Emeralds could be. There could be a, there's a light blue and a dark blue in the rainbow. They've just decided not to do that because it's nonsense. (laughs) <laughs> it's where you decide the slices are. I would imagine that there has been a mathematical decision on where those slices are to, to make them equidistant. There probably has. The question is, yes, did we decide what the s- colours in the rainbow are before we had that level of maths or after? And if it's after, then yeah, there probably is. Anyway, uh, penultimate page, after drawing it so nicely, Elson cocks up the big metal asterisk suddenly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's... There's only five spokes on it. There's not suddenly it's... Oh, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Do you know, that actually meshes with a theory that I had, which is that maybe at, uh, somewhere during the drawing of that page, they told him to hurry up a bit. Because, <laughs> well, because it, it always used to bother me that the hole that the orange emerald sits in gets bigger between panel one and two of page six. Because, look, the, the, in the first panel... How, how do I describe this? No, I see what you're saying. Do you the, know what I mean? The orange emerald is inserted into the hole, and it's uh, sitting up out of it on the lip of the hole. The circumference of the hole is smaller than the circumference of than the, the emerald. Than the widest part widest of the point. emerald, yes. yes. 
so it, it's not able to be pushed down all the way. But in Whereas the in the next panel, panel, it is pushed down all the way. And I would put it to you that that nearly means that the holes, the sockets, are lined with an ushigushi material. <laughs> it has to be slowly sunk into. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yes, because yes, yes, the drawing kind of supports that. It can, you can imagine that being a kind of a rubbery, yeah. or as you say, an ushigushi material, which I much prefer. That is the scientific description. <laughs> oh, I see, right, yeah. So yes, but it did used to bother me. And then I realised reading it now, because I was a pedantic teenager then, I realised reading it now, well, it's easier to draw the second way, isn't it? So, has someone <laughs> said, hurry up a bit? And then we find in the next panel, he's removed one of the spokes from the asterisk. Presumably, saving on time. <laughs> I grant you, I'm not entirely sure what Grimer is doing there. Oh, it's the lid. You know, when the, when the one where he's looking back at the orange emerald, he's oh, got yeah. something in his hand. Yes, yes he's just got the lid that's going to go <laughs> on the top of this emerald box. <laughs> Um, gosh, I do wish there was more to say about this. Well, yes. It is just very middle chaptery. So the thing is, we end on a slightly puzzling cliffhanger because mm. the last thing that happens before the cliffhanger, which is that Tails just shows up. Sonic's running. Sonic's got the Master Emerald, right? He's nicked it out of the asterisk and he's run off with it and Grime is going, oh, flipping it. Now we can't, we've got to get this back. He doesn't know what he's going to do with it. He just knows that this will mess with their plans. Doesn't really matter. He just has to separate it from the others. Yeah. So he's running away. And he runs smack into Tails coming from the other direction. Remember, Tails went off to park the plane a little while ago. Which he said, I had to land the plane miles away. <laughs> and um, What, by the way, what a lovely little Tails. <laughs> he knew. Yes. So that happens, right? But it's a bit unclear what we're supposed to take from that. Because, you know, he's just turned up, smacked into Sonic. And then they don't really, you know, they start talking about it. But then they're interrupted by a cliffhanger that it's sort of unclear what that might be leading to. It's literally mm -hmm. just, Sonic, look! Oh, now what? And a big flash of light happens, and we have no clues as to what is going to come out of that flash of light. Uh, or, well, I haven't thought about it. Maybe you're like, Dave, it's obvious it's this. I happen to remember what it was, and no, it's not obvious in the slightest. Okay, so what you're left with then is the story is going full tilt. He's running around, it's an action sequence, then he bangs into someone, and something happens that we don't know what is, and that's the cliffhanger. So it's, and that's all, that's fine as the story goes on, but it's tricky to know what to say about it until next issue when we know what either of those mm. things conclude about. Yeah, it's the middle chapteriest middle chapter I think we've had possibly out of any Dracon story so far. Because, you know, middle chapter syndrome, it just happens sometimes. There, there have been instances of it in the past with STC. Yeah, I don't mind it that much. But I feel like the Dracon ones, the, the multi-parters we've had so far, have really kept their stories propelling along in quite an exciting way. And this one is the one where I'm like, well, I feel like no new information is communicated at any point in these seven pages. And Sonic gets out of his manacles and just keeps, carries on the fight that already started last issue, you know? I suppose, I suppose. There's nothing really wrong with... No, it's not bad. When what Grimer wants is the Chaos Emeralds, there's nothing wrong with him attempting to get them and being foiled. That's fine. Yeah. It's alright to dedicate an issue to that. But yes, it doesn't change... Nothing really super-duper changes. Yeah. Except, I guess, Sonic has the Master Emerald at the end of yeah, the thing. It's, yeah, it's where the Master Emerald is. Yeah, it, it feels like that's where Kitching knew he wanted the second part to end. And the rest of the second part is, well, we just fill out the six pages getting up to that point, you know? Now, if we're talking about what Kitching knows he wants, a boop-a-da-boop-boop-boop-boop-boop. boop 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 He has coloured Sonic's eyelids white. 
here in the middle panel. Oh no! <laughs> I'm suddenly looking back through the... But they're flesh-coloured on the third page. Okay, phew. Okay, phew. Phew, Listen, it's just a goof. Do you know what? I'm really appreciating what Nigel is doing with colours across this whole issue. Once you've adjusted to the totally different style of colouring from what you would expect on a Richard Elson page... And it is an adjustment. And it is an adjustment. Suddenly what you have is... And I've never really been aware that... The, I'm so concentrating on his line work when Nigel's drawing for himself that I never mm. look at his colouring. Yeah. And here I see he is picking out colours that keep everything completely separate from each other. Nothing's ever blending into... It's never difficult to see what you're looking at. And that's so hard. I've tried this so many times in so many ways. And I always fall short. I always end up like, oh, but that would have to be this colour, so that's got to be against that. And blah, 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 blah. No, this is all... Everything stands out nicely against everything else without even really using many colours and very little shading. It's not flat because it's very textured because it is done by hand. It's done with yes, paint. Yes, I mean, in, in many ways, it is what you would call today flat because it is... If you were to categorise it. Yes, but no, this is hand-painted stuff so you can see the stroke of the brush in it. Yeah, so there's a lot of... Texture. There's a lot of non-flatness to it. And it's and it's also shaded. There's shading lines oh, around the edge of it. shading, yes. But in a lot of cases, the shading is also flat shading. Whereas when Richard Elson is colouring himself, that's not what he does. Wild with the fully rendered painting yeah. gradients and everything, yes. Yeah. So everything becomes a little bit more sort of cut out against each other, colour-wise. I don't know how to describe it, but I think it's good work. Well, I wonder how much of it is in Richard Elson's inks as well, because he did the black and white line art presumably with the knowledge that he wouldn't be colouring it. His inks just look great. But is it an actual difference in the way he's done the line art? Or it is could it be. we're only noticing it? We'd have to compare. Because it's a different yeah. colouring, yeah. Because again, once again, ceiling-mounted cameras with beautifully inked stalactites coming down. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Or is it stalagmites? What was the thing? I forgot. What What did you say? Tights. It's not... The mites and tights part of it is irrelevant. What? It's the first half that where it matters. Stalag and stalak. Okay. And that's how you tell. Stalag for the ground and stalak C for the ceiling. Well, I don't know which one's which. I don't know if tights or mites comes after stalag or stalak. <laughs> I think you do. I don't. Wait. Say, sta- say one of them now. Well, no, because if say I say them... Say any one of them now. Stalactites and stalagmites. They're, when I say them, they're the same. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's stalagmite and stalactite. And how do you remember that? <laughs> uh, just because I know because I know the difference between words. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I will readily, readily admit that the main time I ever heard it said out loud was the stalagmites and the stalactites will keep you here forever, forever, from the Magic Roundabout movie Dougal and the Blue Cat. You'll never get out of this place. The stalactites and the stalagmites will keep you here forever, forever. And to think I wasted my artistic talent on him. Uh, and then Harry Hill, and I, <laughs> those are the times I've ever heard it said out loud. <laughs> You've got to have a system. And he only said it in one episode. Uh, here's why we got into that. Which ones are the ones that point downwards? Uh, they are the stalagmites. Stal- okay. No, that's not right. You see, you've got oh. me all f***ed around. Sorry. <laughs> Stalactites point downwards. Yeah, but I need to know which... Okay, how shall I... What shall I add on to that that means that tights come from the ceiling? You could just remember <laughs> words. Well, yeah, but that's the whole point. I could just remember the whole word. No, no, then you would have to remember... But this. then I don't need any kind of mnemonic. No, no, I'm not asking you to remember the definition of the word. <laughs> I'm just asking you to remember the word. <laughs> Um, anyway, so we've got to the end of this issue. We're now talking about the inking being nice. And what about the stalactites? 
They're nice! Okay. <laughs> They're just well inked. <laughs> I do wish there was a little more to say about this one, but I don't know that there is. Next issue, The Fate of the Floating Island. Oh, I feel here we like go. that's been a next issue box before. I've no hmm. proof of it, but it just sounds like something. I feel like the floating island has been fated yeah. a few times in yeah. the run of SDC, and if that's fates. never been used before, they're slipping, frankly. This is the thing. <laughs> I don't object to it at all. I want the fate of the floating island to be... That should be the next issue box every time. <laughs> like, yeah, cool. Like, What's it going to be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the answer is, it wasn't in the strip, and it was absolutely fine. That's the fate of it. <laughs> it was fine, yeah. They just always do an update somewhere in the middle of the comic. Meanwhile, there's the floating island. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Knuckles. 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 Um. Knuckles. Knuckles. On the Run, Part 4, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, and letters by Elita Fell. Lieutenant Furor brings everyone to the police station, where Porker reveals his past life as Oscar the Pig. He's a native of the Special Zone, who, fresh out of university, was duped by Hammerhead into building a super bomb for him. Realising he'd been tricked and now branded a criminal, Oscar destroyed his work and fled to Mobius, beginning a new life as Porker Lewis. Hearing the truth, Lieutenant Furor decides to bend the law, pretending that Porker and Oscar are different people and allowing Porker to return to Mobius, on the condition that they never see him in the Special Zone again. Uh, my big takeaway was I was disappointed to discover this was the last part. Because mm. I came off the back of last issue thinking we were halfway through the mm. story. It felt like that, yeah. And that there was going to be some real fallout of whatever Porker had done in the past and his relationship with Hammerhead and everything. And instead, this is the fourth and final part that's just an explanation of what's been going on. Now, it's not bad. No. But I just thought we were only halfway through the story and I feel like there was more that could have been done with the premise. It's like when you think there's another step and there isn't, isn't it? You you sort yeah. of have a little stumble. Yes. Uh, oh, it's over. Yeah. Now, and also, as you know, I've had a certain amount of difficulty sort of squaring this with what I said earlier about the way I'm used to Nigel usually writing STC with this sense of like, this is all the same as it's ever been. This works as a backstory for Porker, but it's difficult for me to square as a backstory for the character who was called Porker at the start of the series, who was just a little piggy wiggy. Yes. Porker since about issue, ooh, I don't know, 20. Yeah. Thereabouts, maybe. But we've known him before that, and it's difficult to. We've known him when he was a little baby piggy boy. Yeah. And part of it is, to be fair, it mm -hmm. is also grandfathered in knowledge from your Martin Adams novels as your Stay Sonic. Well, yes. I have to take that into account, yes. Where we know that they knew Sonic. Porker is essentially being painted here as like a, I don't know, a 22-year-old mm. who, uh, you know, communally raised this baby hedgehog yeah, with yeah. everybody and, he, and he's maybe got 15 years on Sonic. <laughs> Well, there you are. Maybe that's it. Maybe this is sitting so uncomfortably because although I can completely accept that we shouldn't 
as I would have done, think of the Martin Adams stories as essentially canonical and having happened. Sure. I can't accept that with Stay Sonic. Mm. That happened. Yeah. And it doesn't, I don't think it explicitly says they were all children together. No, it doesn't. It, it definitely doesn't matter. But they were little animals. The way they talk about them being friends and being, and also this goes back to don't ever put real ages on Sonic characters. But it's the drawings. It's the fact of what they looked like, even at the start of STC, but certainly in Stay Sonic. They were just, he's a little piggy wig. He's a little fella. Yeah. And now he's a grown up. And how do you avoid thinking of that as childhood to man you know i feel like we wouldn't even have that problem yeah. if sonic's world yes the original sonic's world strip with art by mike hadley hadn't drawn past porker as I mean, and he wasn't yeah. a little guy because mark hadley drew everybody yeah, yeah. as big guys but <laughs> he was had the proportions of the game sprite he was a nude pig he was a nude pig that's the main thing it's the nudity uh, there Yes, I can't deny it. They were canonically nude. Sonic's world means <laughs> that that's canonically what they looked like. It would be one thing if when they put the clothes on that that was a retcon and they'd always worn clothes and right. the earlier issues were simply wrong. Exactly. But Sonic's world, published yep. in later issues, yep. made it that they used to go about in the nud. And I would have objected if it didn't do that because I remembered that they did. That they look, That's what they looked like, yes. It felt right at the time. Yeah. Then it turned out Porker went to university. And right. Lived in. A th it really made me laugh that Porker Lewis went to university. <laughs> yeah. And then it really made me laugh that Porker Lewis am become death. <laughs> <laughs> Destroyer of worlds. I mean, th the only way to square the circle is to assume that Porker, it doesn't say how, escaped to Mobius somehow. Yes. And essentially found himself in this eden of naked yeah. little animals yeah so he divested himself of his earthly vestments i think they burned up on entry you know i think he, i think they all fizzled away as he went through the warp and they was like oh no <laughs> oh no i'm nude he emerged in the nip and then he found this little colony this little nudist colony i think i prefer the idea that he actively chose to divest himself of the uh, raiments of sin <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and joined in with these uh, naked little animals with the pure yeah so what was the moment then of sin for the Mobians? Was it the Omniviewer? Was it when they went forward in time by six months or whatever it was? Then they had to quickly put clothes on after that because they felt all bad. Well, with Mobius, I mean, I feel like it was when Dr. Kintabor... Mm. I think I've, I'm almost certain we've had this discussion on the <laughs> show before. Dr. Kintabor brought sin to yeah. Mobius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. evil was there already, mm. but he poked it. Mm -hmm. yeah. The other Mobians weren't doing anything They weren't messing around with it But Dr. Kintabor ate the apple yeah. Poked evil He tried to bend he it to its will He hit the egg <laughs> Alright, so anyway um, So now yes. Come on, for goodness sakes <laughs> So here we are anyway We're in the special zone, alright So forget all of that uh, um, Anyway, that's just me in my own head This is fine No, uh, no, no Honestly though I do completely agree with you yeah. In the moment In the now in the way that we know, obviously, Kitching, in particular, since he wrote the story, perceived the characters in his mind. Yeah. It's absolutely an, a fine backstory for the characters yeah. as we know them now. It is purely just because we read the first ten issues of the comic or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know the characters as they existed before that. That it, it feels odd. Yeah, that that is what it is, yeah. And so... When you're hearing about, like, oh, I'm afraid it's time I came clean, Knuckles, you know, yeah, I better tell you the story. I'm still thinking, 
how's this gonna work? How are we gonna square this? I'm excited to find out. And then the answer is that it's like, yeah, no, I before you before episode one of this, before I used to live in the Green Hill Zone and muck about with Sonic the Hedgehog on the beach, I went to university in another dimension because that's where I'm from, a pig. <laughs> Yes, even the depiction of the special zone in the manner in which it has been depicted for the last... I mean, it's really only been 30, 35 issues. Mm -hmm. The idea that there was somebody on Mobius who came from the normal bit of the special zone mm. at a point in time when Mobius only ever knew it as a strange and chaotic landscape. Yeah. I think it's interesting, though. This is fully, totally made up. But do you remember back in issue 8, when Johnny and Porker were standing with Tails as Sonic whooshed around the starpost getting charged up to take them to the special zone? Yeah. And Porker was the one going, um, I don't, um, I don't, oh, um. <laughs> and I'm like, he was afeard of going home unless the Popo got him. So his, what we've previously thought of as cowardliness in a character is actually like, no, no, no. He's got this whole secret life that he's trying to keep secret. Absolutely, 100% definitely not. But Of course fun, not, but it? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I feel as if it's kind of unfair to put all that on this story, because that's not what yes, he's trying to do. That's it. It's, it is just, it's an us thing. Yeah. But also, like... It's not just us being weird. Like no, it's not. The fact, even if you divorce Porker as a cute little dude mm. from beforehand, Porker Lewis, the nervous tech guy, mm. has a criminal past as a guy who designed an atomic bomb for a gangster from another dimension. It's still a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit weird. Treating the special zone as just some place you can just be from. Be from. Mm. Yeah. That's not normal. Mm. Even though it's definitely been fully recast to be exactly that, and it should be fine. Yes, except you still need an omni-viewer. Like, I am interested in what he means yeah. by, I managed to escape to Mobius. They do leave that very vague. It's like a couple of issues ago when Charmy turned up in that double Sonic strip and had no explanation for how he'd got there, except he did try to give one until Sonic shushed him. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't this it? This is the sort of thing Ian Flynn was complaining about when he said it's not conducive to good storytelling to have Blaze and her kingdom mm. be in an entirely different dimension. But you try telling Sonic fans that. God, you know what? And am I doing exactly what those weird online fanboys were doing? Because it's not like I'm actually annoyed the way they are now, but... No, because they were saying that's nonsense, it's absolutely fine that it's from a completely different dimension and you can just contrive reasons to have it happen. And it's like, well, they're not contriving reasons, are they? Yeah. They're just papering over it and moving past it quickly. Well, it's a difference between, like, what Nigel's interested in for storytelling and what I, as a reader back then, thought I was reading for. Mm -hmm. So he's going like, well, I've got this set of characters, I've got this other dimension that doesn't cross over so much, and I'm doing this and I'm doing this, and I'm going, yeah, but what about the Green Hill Zone? Because I'm convinced that it was all part of one continuity, and I think on this podcast we've established why I was convinced of that. But it's not anymore, is it? We've gone a bit archy now, where the special zone means nothing like what the special zone is in Sonic. No, no, to be fair, like, no, it still does. And it's there's a full and total in-universe explanation for why that is that. Uh -huh. There's a weird bit in the special zone. <laughs> there's in-universe text. But yes, I'm pretty sure I said this on the show a long time ago, but we are now fully in the era of the comic. Post-chaotic, sort of the, the, the chaotic stuff that came immediately after the Sonic and Knuckles adaptation that still involved Metal Sonic and everything. Post that, post where I dropped off. <laughs> Again, it sounds, like, it sounds like I'm using it as a reference point, because it, but it just happens to be true. Post where I dropped off in general, but post 100 in specific, 
we have entered the period in SDC's history where it does become a bit archy. Mm-hmm. Because there are no games anymore, so it yeah. has to come up with its own stuff to tell stories about. And it's done well by that, generally mm. speaking, because the single biggest new addition to the lore that has propelled the universe forward since then is the Dracons, who were introduced via the framework of Sonic 3D yep. and the Mobius Rings, who are out to get the Chaos Emeralds. You know, those things, like from the games. I guess it's a bit like Latter Day Archie, where both comics are going... Well, listen, here's a load of stuff we just want to do. And in both cases, we want to have these freedom fighters. We want to have them wearing these jackets. We want this to be that and that to be this. But it all came from stuff from the games. Archie did it the other way around. It retroactively went, well, I guess this is like Sonic in this way. Ian's in going like, "Mm, I guess the reason things are like this is kind of because of game stuff like this. And he was making those connections at the end of the series. Whereas in our way, it's come from it. In the other direction. Yes. But ultimately, they're both. Here's some new stuff, and here are the explanations for why that can happen out of the games. (laughs) Yes, but I feel like anything that is introduced by having it grow out of ideas from the games is better. Yeah. And that's just a funny coincidence that it happens to be the way our comic did it. (laughs) It just, it is better. Rather than trying to bolt it on after the fact, yeah. Yeah, of course it's better. Why would you... Why would you ever make a Sonic comic that didn't start from from the starting point of what's in Sonic Why the Hedgehog? Indeed? Why would you do it? Why? Oh. <laughs> anyway. We know why. It was a four-issue miniseries based on a TV cartoon, and it should have not gone any further, and then the ongoing series should have been based on the games, but it wasn't. That's why. So yeah, anyway, as I say, Porker's backstory is it, it oh, turns yeah. out that Hammerhead, when he was masquerading still as a not-crim as a goodman Mm -hmm. tricked porker into developing a new clean energy supply but porker realized his work was too unstable for that broke into hammerhead's office discovered the files that said it was going to be used to create a bomb so he burned all the files and legged it to mobius so that you know all the information to create it exists only within his brain and this is delivered to us via a gorgeous page of you've got inset well, almost not inset, because they're hardly overlapping the panels, but you've just got a column of Porker's head down the left-hand side. Yeah. And then these strips. Five widescreen panels that mm. are not quite the full width of the page. Mm. And then just left and above each one In the of margin. them is a Porker head narrating the events of that panel. The way that Nigel Dobbin has done this is that these strips, these horizontal panels, they're gradually zooming in on Porker as they go along. Mm-hmm. And also, the palette goes from blue at the top yeah. to red at the bottom oh it's so nice isn't it on an absolutely wonderful gradual gradient because the final panel is the shot of porker burning all the documents so it's fire red yeah but the fire is uncolored white it's amazing that's great so the rest of the panel goes from a cool blue gradually shifting through an indigo-ish almost (laughs) hue you might say (laughs) arbitrary to red Mm, yes, that's very nice. And always v- muted, mixed with grey kind of shades of all mm. of this. It's, 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 it's good comics is what it is. So Porker was never actually a criminal. No. Hammerhead, when he got later rumbled as a criminal, made sure that everybody thought yeah. Porker was the real criminal who had invented this bomb for him. Tried to pin the worst of it on this Blackened unknowing his student. But he just knew how to use a computer and do some science, yeah. Hmm. And Fuhrer believes this. He hears this story and he takes sympathy on Porker. Well, he certainly does, but he never says so. 
Oh, not out loud. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. This is great, actually. I love this. This hard-bitten, one-eyed old policeman who's getting too old for this sh**. Yeah. No, no, no. Knuckles goes, you believe him, don't you? And instead of answering what he does, he stabs his finger down on his intercom and goes, Get in here, O'Brien! It's time to wrap up this case! So the police officer, maybe the arresting officer, I guess, uh, comes in and Furor gets all up in his face and goes, What are you playing at, O'Brien? I told you to bring in Oscar the Pig! Uh, sir, yes, sir, we did, sir. This is Oscar the Pig, he says, holding up this mugshot. He's nothing like the guy I got sitting here. But he looks exactly like... You're never going to get that promotion by arguing with me, boy. <laughs> nah, we're never going to see Oscar the Pig in the special zone again. Are we, porker? Oh, I can guarantee it. <laughs> I've got lifting to do. Yeah, look at them guns. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, back to your compliment. Lieutenant Fuhrer, you never cease to amaze me. Yeah, sure, sure. Now everybody get out of my office. <laughs> and it ends with our heroes just walking off into the camera. With no the end, no oh, yeah. next issue tag or anything. Oh, yeah. That's curious. So yes, what we've very much been served up here is a strip about Porker Lewis that's got into the comic through the mechanism of a Knuckles strip. Yeah. Knuckles really, the only thing he did in the whole strip was punch Hammerhead. And um, we had that fun stuff with Mighty and Espio. I'm just, like, I'm genuinely, I'm just disappointed that this isn't a six-part strip where the back third of it now is having to foil Hammerhead's plot. It feels yeah. like there was a whole story left to unspool there about Hammerhead getting his hands on Porker, maybe threatening the lives of his friends to force him to recreate his work mm. or something. And I think that would have just made it a bit more exciting because it otherwise just ends on this stuff that I'm sure will never come up again. This is the thing. I, yes, I don't imagine we're going to hear about Oscar the Pig again. It's only Knuckles and the Chaotics who know about it, which I find interesting. You know, to like, mm. I don't know if Porker and Sonic ever lay eyes on each other again for the rest of STC. I, I sort of imagine they will, but I don't know. Oh, gosh. I don't want to think about that. I, I have no idea. That's a yeah. great point. I have no idea. Yeah. That would be very sad if they didn't. It would, but then we've had Porker's ending. That, and that's true. Now we've got this backstory for Porker as well. Like, he's still going. But essentially, his story's. This perhaps is part of the problem with the strange feeling of the post-100 era, which is that yeah. the stories have ended. Well, it's, you know, it's like we've said, there are no freedom fighters anymore. They are yeah. freedom havers now. Yeah. There's no need for that team. So there's not really any need for Porker and Johnny to be around anymore. Now, Porker was the character who actually got a story that had an ending, mm -hmm. but he was developed enough that it's obvious Kitching wants to keep him around and do a little bit more with him. Yeah. And this is what he's chosen to do with him. Um... Nobody has had any good ideas for what to do with Johnny. So Johnny just kind of sticks his head into Lou Stringer strips occasionally to go, Hey guys, remember me? <laughs> I guess they're all hoping that there'll be another game soon and that they can just sort of get back on with telling the big story. And, uh... and there's no... There, this is the thing. Much as I have affection for Porker and Johnny, yeah. there isn't necessarily a reason to have them around anymore. Hmm. They don't have to be an isolated tight-knit group of the four surviving friends who came from six months in the past yeah. into a world ruled by Robotnik. Their lives are their own now to go out and whatever and Johnny Lightfoot and Porker Lewis the little cuddly fellas as we knew them should only be too happy to strip their clothes off and return to frolicking <laughs> in the meadows. It's funny that because we know that Nigel has drawn from Doctor Who before there is a parallel in that you know you had like a fairly short way through the original William Hartnell run two of his three original companions just decided to go home they got a little montage of them enjoying life back in london or wherever they were and that was that they were never seen again but that's sort of happened here with porker but nigel 
is returning to him. He's not interested in just yeah. leaving him there in that way. I mean, it's not that I'm saying that I don't feel like we should ever see Porker in the comic again. No. You know, Porker got his ending. He went off to live on the floating island and uses his tech expertise to help Knuckles try and repair the place. And it's okay if he makes little reappearances in that context. Mm. Johnny's got nothing. Johnny has no personality and no role and no discernible skills. So <laughs> there's nothing for anybody to do with hey, him. Hey, he's got a stick. He can bonk you on the head with his stick. That's a skill. I could bump you on the head with a stick, but would you want me hanging around you? <laughs> exactly. 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 Stick or no stick, frankly. <laughs> um, see, Americans? See, this we, is how we say stuff like that. <laughs> now this, now this would make a good pinup. This would make a good pinup. <laughs> It is, in fact, the panel of Charmy B from a few issues ago from the story where he arrived to help Sonic fight that malfunctioning construction robot. The cutie duty story. Yes. It's the panel where he has thrown the robot's power source into the sky and it's exploding behind him. Mm -hmm. A panel that we, at the time, said, Yep. Now that would make a nice pinup. Well, we didn't know this was coming. No, we didn't. And it is. No. And it does make a good pinup. Yes. The frame is nice and complimentary. It actually is. Yeah. Because the original artwork had Charmy coming out over the panel borders. <laughs> so there needs to be a frame here to fully sell the effect. Great. And all it says on it is Chaotix crew member Charmy B. Charmy misspelt with two E's again, unfortunately. But yeah. It's no doubt that I thought that was how Charmy was spelt. I remember thinking that. And it, I think it was spelt like this when we first met him. And it's spelt again here when he's canonized in this good poster. And I guess I, that just stuck with me. I mean, sure, four pages earlier, it's spelt Charmy with a Y <laughs> in the knuckles strip. But, That's uh, Charmy with a Y, not with an E. Doesn't rhyme. It doesn't. You see, is the problem. <laughs> That's Charmy with a Y, you see, not Charmy <laughs> with a double E. <laughs> But Dave, do tell us what's in the diary. <laughs> diary the why. Diary. I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. Yes, welcome everybody to the section of the podcast where we take you back in time to the two weeks of the release of this comic. Whether you want it or not. Exactly. I mean, if you don't, you can just hit the you fast forward You can just keep button. skipping 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 seconds until something else happens, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like Chris does. Mentally, <laughs> he definitely. There, he yeah, sits there pressing a, up here a right spot now, on the I'm table with his finger jabbing it over and over again. the fast forward button <laughs> in the hopes that it'll be over sooner. Because I happen to still have my diaries from that time. And what was happening at the time was the early days of STC fandom on the internet. And here we are, in the present day of STC fandom on the internet, I suppose. And so uh, we can see what the lineage of everything that's happened up till this point happens to be. Now, I don't remember being in the thrall of anything too exciting the last uh, episode or two. No, no big events currently unfolding. Well, remember that the last episode we did was the Valentine's episode, so things were getting a bit gooey. Oh, yes, yes, yes. There's an element of that that continues on perhaps indefinitely, uh, <laughs> in the diary. And, and that's not... There's going to be a limited amount of that you're going to be able to listen to. We'll, we're, <laughs> I'm going to have to start really cutting it down. We'll see where we get to. Um, where he's just written Abby's name and drawn hearts around it, you know? I mean, might as well be. Because story so far, listener, your teenage protagonist has met his future wife and uh, is starting... It's ridiculous, really, when you think mm. about it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's starting visibly to tune into that idea already. 
We start on Thursday the 26th of February 1998, where I say these may be the last two weeks of On Paper Diary, because today we went down to Foss Park during a power cut. (laughs) 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 I don't know what that's all about. Foss Park was a shopping area, one of those drive-in places, and we came home with my typey thing. You got the I've typey got the thing. Typey at thing. Last. I've been obsessed recently with getting this electronic word processor like Manana has only better. Because I want to be an author. I want to sit there writing books like the end of Mobius in my room with my little hat on going zip ding. I'll have to install a zip ding device because of course it doesn't <laughs> have one. So I've got this now. I chose it, I tried it, I tested it, and now it's mine. I've had a read of the manual and it's the best birthday present ever in the world. There are many electronic word processors like it but this one is mine. (laughs) Ding! (laughs) Friday the 27th. I need June the 26th. Do you remember June the 26th? No. This is the day when I'm actually going to meet Abby in real life. And I'm getting all teenage about it. I need to meet Abby. She's my best friend. And on reflection, I know it sounds corny, but I think she's the one person that I care about the most in all the world. She gave me a call today and we talked about all sorts of stuff. I just, uh, she's really great. I don't mean like, I mean as a friend. I mean, like I'm behind her in whatever she wants to do. Why you lie? You're such a lying liar. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, it's, I think it's a holdover from the thing where you're like, you had to fight tooth and nail to never appear to be interested in any girls at school. You know, I think it's all, all to do with that. I'm behind her in whatever she wants to do. I will cheer her on. I hope she has exactly the future she wants. And I hope it's the future I want her to want. As you said... Yeah, it's good. a it's limited amount of this we can quite possibly yeah, yeah. listen to. Uh, but then I, even there, I qualify that. And no, that's not rude or suggestive. I say in caps, and it's not. I, I, correct, it, it isn't. My God, this would be better if you were just honest. I know it's so weird, isn't it? I mean, we have ascertained a long time ago that this is being written for the sake of history. Yeah, you don't want anybody else to read it. No, but just in case they did, yeah. it's all couched in these terms. Yeah. Saturday the 28th, demoed the typey thing to Nana and Grandad, and noticed a spidery area on the screen where the liquid crystal had leaked, like when I stood on a Magna Doodle. Already? <laughs> you ever stood on a Magna Doodle, Chris? Do you know what a Magna Doodle was? I know what a Magna Doodle is. Oh, do you? What's a Magna Doodle? Uh, yes, I know what a Magna Doodle is. It's, How would you uh, describe it's, it? It's, it's a, um, <laughs> hmm, a plastic screen. Yeah. Uh, containing uh. a load of iron filings, mm. and uh, you use magnetic drawing implements to draw the iron filings into shapes. Doodle lets you doodle and undoodle like magic. Animals, spirals, pictures, and more. We Magna Doodle, travel Magna Doodle, and accessory sets each sold separately from Ideal. Yes, and I think they. My memory is that it was all divided into hexagons, so maybe it was. Yeah, I don't know why, but yeah. Somehow they were they were trapped within those hexagons or something, and yeah, you used a magnetic know. pen and they stayed there. And sometimes they had stampers; you could stamp shapes, and then you yes. had the shump, shump, slide thing at the bottom to clear it. That's the thing. What it meant was that you were able to draw. It was what it was was it was like a high tech, more expensive version of those little drawing pads you could get at any 
post office or newsagent where it was like a piece of film and you got just a plastic pen yeah. and you drew on it and then you like opened and closed it and that that ripped the thin film layer away from the back. God, yeah, I haven't thought about those in years. Mm, yeah, and they would have like a frame around them that looked like fish or something. Mm. Yeah, Magna Doodle was just like an upscaled version of that. But not as complex as an Etch-a-Sketch, no. but infinitely more usable. Usable, yeah. An Etch-a-Sketch was a skill that only few people had. Anyway, this had happened. Evidently, they'd put something on top of this typey thing. It was broken in sort Because remember, it had a quite a big screen. That was the thing about it. And it had this Magna Doodle spidery corruption on it, where the LCD had just like leaked out into all these spidery lines. And this uh, lit up bright yellow when turned on, so we're taking it back tomorrow to get it swapped. Good, good, good. I thought you'd broken it already yourself. No, no, no. And I know it was in the box. There was nothing I could have done to it. Ah. Talked to Abby for hours on the phone. I love talking to Abby. She's the one person I can talk to about anything at all. I wish she lived around here. No. I wish she, at this point, moved here. Okay. I don't know quite what the distinction is. Probably that uh, I'm pleased that we didn't already know each other before. Because I'm under the impression that, you know, I know I already know the girls who live around here, and I've not got anywhere with any of them, so it's good that this one didn't. And, uh, <laughs> That being said, I would have got on with Abby, because she was a big Turtles fan, and, uh, you know, we would have probably been friends about that. Saturday the 1st of March, 1998. Possibly the last diary entry in a book ever. I have my typey thing. This you already know. What you don't know, well you might, is that I seem to be allowed on it. It's not my birthday yet. So from now on, I plan to continue the diary on disc. This may mean that this is the final diary entry on paper for a great number of years, so I'd better look my best. And at this point, the handwriting turns quite neat. Aww. And in neat handwriting, I say, there. It's hard to write neatly, as I'm on the loo. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Sunday I best. thought you'd have gone for full joined up writing. No, it was always joined up. It was always joined oh, okay. up. It's just less... Because the thing about joined up writing is, it's so that you can write faster, but then you have to do it neatly. So I'm writing slowly in joined up. See, I, I always like doing joined up writing, which, just just incidentally for any Americans listening out there, is what it was called. Mm, joined up writing. Cursive. Yeah. Cursive joined up writing. Yeah. That's what it was called yeah. professionally, right? I enjoyed doing it, but I had to train myself out of it for doing speech bubbles in comics. Oh. When, you know, when I would draw my own comics and things, or, you know, do posters or make little cards or whatever, just for, for, for the arts, for my art, yeah. I had to train myself out of it because it didn't look right. And I had to train myself into naturally writing in neat, non-joined up writing. Yeah. As opposed to now, where I don't think I could form letters. <laughs> It's an, it's an, you know, if you don't use the muscle, it atrophies, doesn't it? That's the thing. It's, yeah. Uh, if you tried writing by hand in the last year or Dave, whatever. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Yeah. Can, I, can, I can pinpoint the moment when I realized I just, nope, I was no good anymore. I was at work back when I worked in the comic shop. And I, I think I had to write a short, and by short, I mean like maybe two lines, nothing yeah. in particular, a letter or a note that needed to be delivered somewhere. And all I had was blank white printer paper. So I started to write and I was away down the page. It was, and I was like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I've been typing for 15 yeah. years now. For 15 years now. I don't know how to do this. Yeah. 
I don't know what to say about it because it's not like we need to. It's not like it's a skill that it's a big problem that we've lost. At the same time, though, it does make you feel sort of like a cow with a pen jammed in its hoof. It does. Trying to form letters. Yeah, it makes you wonder what all of that was in aid of, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) You won't have a calculator in your pocket all the time, young boomer. Exactly. Oh, won't I, sir? That was annoying even then, because I already had one on my wrist. Watches had a calculator. Yeah, but that was incredibly inefficient and stupid. I didn't think it was. Doop, 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 doop. I was happy with it. No, you did a lot of stuff that you didn't think was incredibly stupid and inefficient, <laughs> and I think we have the, uh, the, the proof of it recorded in the course of this show. And here we now look back over it as the diary on paper ends. Well... The diary began back in 1994. That's right, we're having the full full flashback here. Back in 1994 in a Sonic organizer, I put in accounts of all the fun things that happened and some dreams. And then there was the next diary in a book with a foam shark on the front. That had a different feel to it. Not quite as nostalgic. And then the ninth year diary, the whole entire ninth year in one book. That was one of the best school years of my life, if not the best. Mind you, in a few years, I'll probably say that about this year. After that, the diaries took me through life at big school, the PC, the internet, the great times. And so, my written life draws to a close. In the new... (laughs) His eyes rolled all the way back, guys. In the new... You can probably hear it. Electronic diary, I look forward to longer entries and more detailed accounts of dreams. Looking forward to that, Chris. It didn't occur to me. (laughs) I promise you, Chris, I will not read you the long, detailed accounts of dreams. I'm going to spare you that much. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) When typing, I can write more in less time and can type almost as fast as I figure out something to write. So not a lot will be lost. (laughs) All I can say is I will edit them down for you, Chris. I'll do that for you. Big of you. Very good of you. (laughs) Never once did it occur to me <laughs> the fact that you switched to typing them meant that they would get longer. They're gonna get longer. Detailed. But of course, yeah. makes perfect sense. I'm not disputing it. No, we'll sense, we'll but... see because it was also it it was inconvenient. You know, let, let's face it, the tech wasn't that great. Lugging this huge electronic thing out and being like type 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 probably was inconvenient enough that the diary entries won't actually be all that long. But well, we'll see. We'll see. The rest of this book might be for anything or nothing. I don't know yet. And so, for the final time in my own handwriting, good night. <laughs> and that is all there is. Sorry, we're closed. and that is all there is for this fortnight's diary zone as uh oh what a place to end it i seem to be missing the first few entries of the next diary it kicks up again it starts off again on the 21st of march and it says as i was saying in the last entry and i'm talking about something that that i have not just been talking about so the lost texts there's a few days that are lost i don't know where they've gone what are these saved on floppy disks or what well this is the thing so yes they were saved on floppy disk i then converted them and it looks like perhaps i didn't convert some kind of proto first go first few entries diary and i can't do it now you know who's got a floppy disk now i assumed you still floppy disk or floppy disk drive floppy disk drive i've got the disks somewhere i assumed you did oh well i'm I did the I did when I converted these documents, which was yeah. in the, which was in the nineties. So, uh, but the fact that you, mm, it's the fact that you converted them back then mm. that implies you have looked at these ever since for some reason, for some ungodly reason, you've chosen to dig out your diary and preserve it yeah. in a manner you can access now instead of only now dusting off the old mm. diskette box and producing the floppy 
to yeah. plug in for me now for the purposes of this podcast. When was the last time I had a floppy disk drive in a PC? I had one up until like 2005, so it could have been any time up till then. Five was about when I moved from using desktops to laptops all the time, so that seems about right, yeah. I think my first laptop even had a floppy disk drive in it. I think so too. Yeah. Hold on now. What have you got? What have you found down there? He's got a little grin on his face, and he's rooting around in the in the stuff. No, hang on. No, no, wait, no, I, this could end in absolute disaster. The whole desk could cave out. <laughs> so there's great potential for a hilarious noises. Oops. Oh, whoops. I think he's playing it up a bit. I wish I was! <laughs> oh god! Oh no! Oh no, the stuff that was on the shelf was in fact on the shelf above it. <laughs> Go song! Fan Friction! Written by Lou Stringer, art by Nick McMahon, and letters by Ellie DeVille. When Sonic holds an autograph signing, obsessive fanboy Ryan Baggett uses a booby-trapped high-tech pen and pad to collect Sonic himself, sealing him in an energy bubble that zaps anyone who touches it. Uber-nerd Norris Wimple challenges Baggett to a trivia quiz for Sonic's freedom, but he loses, so Sonic takes matters into his own hands, rolling the bubble towards Baggett. Afraid of being zapped by its touch, Baggett deactivates the bubble, and Sonic spin attacks him into submission, which Baggett considers a nerdy badge of honour. Dorks, eh? State of them. <laughs> yeah, never once. <laughs> so, Mix varying his Mobians a lot here. Look at this. There's barely yeah. two of the same species. This opening page is of the queue for Sonic to sign autographs. So it's lots of Mobians. He seems like he's just put a chair down in the middle of the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, he's, you know, we often talk about his little dog guys. It always, it, it makes me wonder, has he always been drawing zone-specific Mobians up till now? Has our idea that he draws them all as those hunchback dog things been because he was drawing stories about dog zones? It must be stressed yeah. that this is irrelevant because they are all still horrible goblins. <laughs> look at them uh. <laughs> and truly the thing that makes them horrible goblins is more than any other artist mm. take their proportions out of the equation okay mcmahon has drawn people with animal heads yeah by which i mean mm. regardless of the color or animal that their head is they've got flesh-colored human arms coming out of their shirts yeah it is those hands are disturbing grotesque even though like there is absolutely no reason to imagine that that's not what Sonic's got under his gloves, because he's got that colour arms. It absolutely is. And that's why he has the good sense to put those gloves on. I suppose really what we should be learning from this is that we want to bring back the glove in gentleman's dress, you know? Because look at us, we've got these horrible human hands as well. Disgusting. Look at them. Oh my god, Ugh. I try not to. Oh, you've reminded <laughs> me they're there. I'm just inside my sleeves. <laughs> no, come on, there's a frog in the back of that queue. Yeah. It's got people hands. They're pink. There's a bird at the front of it. People hands. Okay, Techno has hands, so it's... Um, but there is still something extremely off-putting about it. Techno wears gloves also. It's the pinkness. It's the removal. It yeah, the they're human hands. They're human flesh-colored yeah. hands. 
if those were read and also this is an essential thing yeah. in cartooning in general uh-huh. in cartoons if they didn't have fingernails that's yeah that's a big thing isn't it why do they wonder why he's doing that why is he giving them these fingernails instead and why isn't he coloring the frog's hands green why 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 it's so off-putting <laughs> lovely little sonic he's drawn there though yeah but the rest of it to the pit with it do you know why i didn't notice too busy looking at the nice little sonic no it's because of the did s- your nana own that table sonic setting up <laughs> um, possibly because i won't put it past the possibility mine did that's a lovely yeah. little table a little table <laughs> yeah no it's because of the state of the disgusting frog thing that we see at the end of the page come in yeah yeah. ryan baggett himself i'm not sure he is a frog i don't know what he is it's purely based on his mouth width that i've called him a frog and and sonic calls him he insults him by calling him pond life at one point he might be like a newt or something he is fully imagine a frog mobian but drawn with flesh colored face and a sort of, like, old-fashioned wig on, like an Alice in Wonderland footman or something. The frog footman, that's what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. But pink and... Ooh, ooh, what is he? It's horrible. It's it's everything wrong with McMahon's depiction of Sonic and Mobians in, in a strip. Like, yes, but I think it informs so it. awful. I think it informs it, because no way do you draw... If you look at every drawing of him across the whole of the rest of the strip, particularly the next two pages where there's lots of drawings of him, all of them revolting every single time yes so what we learn is he's not accidentally drawing grotesques this is a man oh, who God, no. draws this, that way draw- likes no. to draw that way sure we've seen all the awful looking people in decap attack mm, yeah fantastically awful looking yeah. people it I made more want, sense i think but, that's but it it makes sense in decap attack because everything's gross in decap attack i guess that's it maybe it, he clicked in with that strip more because that is a strip about grotesques this is a man who draws grotesques and he's been asked to draw this sweet little animal comic and he's like no i'm gonna draw my stuff so, look at the <laughs> bags under the moby and yeah. eyes there god they're so awful uh but I gave him some props recently for his rendering of Max Gamble, who did yeah. not have flesh-coloured hands. That probably helped. <laughs> but then he's a lizard, and they're kind of not... I don't want it Right, listen, lizard lovers. I'm not saying lizards are gross. But they have the qualities that a gross character might have. So you could more accurately draw one in that style. But as he reinterpreted Max Gamble quite well, he also does fairly well by Norris Wimple. Yeah. Who looks no who more grotesque gross. than he usually looks. He's meant to be gross, that's the thing. So g- He is exactly as gross as he was before. Whatever yeah. your perception of Norris as gross was, yeah. you will find it unchanged by McMahon's art. Yes, and if you allow that, if you Beauty allow... is in the eye of the beholder, after all. If you allow him to draw gross things, he's ever so good. This is what I'm... I'm I have... I'm tuned into this. I think this is good art. Oh, God, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I never claimed it was bad art. No, but people do. I just think it's not well paired with Sonic. But people do, and it's... It's possible to call... I mean, I think if you were to call it bad Sonic art, that mm. wouldn't necessarily be untrue. And even his drawings of Sonic aren't bad. It's no. unfortunate, again, that he is forced to draw He's, from yes. the bad wrong model sheet. Yeah. When he draws a nice, normal Sonic from a proper angle with the spines going in the right direction, that, yeah. that's as nice as anything you might see today. It's got it's got mm. more classical Sonic proportions than, than a lot mm. of other yeah. STC artists deliver. Uh, so very interesting to me that the way that this guy captures Sonic is that the pen and pad... He, so he gives him his special electronic pen and pad, and then, and then he's like, ah, ha, ha, by touching that onto that, you've completed an electrical circuit that is now going to create this ball around you. That was interesting to me, because 
I don't know. Something about the oh, can you here? Can can I have an autograph? Are you, I was sure we were leading to that thing where ah, oh, you've signed a contract now. Now you're I own you now with some magic <laughs> effect or something. I'm a collector. The collector, the collector. You've signed away your rights, and it's not. It's it's not even alluded to as a metaphor. It's it's no, just it, like now you've got a bubble around you because I made a machine. It's just that he used the excuse of an autograph to collect Sonic. Yeah, because the idea is that Sonic is burning through everyone's paper by signing their autographs too fast. So yes. this guy has made a specially prepared pen and pad that will resist such problems. Yes. Um, but then once he's got Sonic in the bubble, yeah, Norris pops up and... I challenge you to a trivia quiz. <laughs> if I win, Sonic <laughs> goes free, okay? So then they just spend four panels uh, shouting uh, STC trivia at each other. Oh, I loved this. Yeah. I loved this trivia about Dragon Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, this is you and me, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> shouting at each other. Exactly. All right, Dave, what manner of creature was a flea bite the bounty hunter? Uh, a bionic cat. Uh, not trivial enough, Wimpole. My turn. What colour was the cloak worn by Commander Brutus? Uh, red. With a hint of crimson. No. What is the name of Ebony's best friend? <laughs> Pajamas, of course. How did Sonic defeat the Master Sentinel? Um. Uh. Did he give it a good talking to? Wrong! He pulled its mechanics out! I win! <laughs> I know! Oh, the shame of it. I'll never be able to hold the head up in society again. Except what they both miss is that on the previous page with the uh, argument, it's Megadroid who wins every single time. <laughs> Captions coming in, CSTC 73, Megadroid. CSTC 63, <laughs> Megadroid. Obviously Norris simply isn't up to date. You know, that's, that's only it. a couple of issues ago. This is the thing, his, his memory of the post-100 era isn't as good as 50 to 100. Norris reads it all on the app. <laughs> you know where they don't put it up until a few months later <laughs> it is fun to have that picture of it's it's like the animaniacs the please 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 get a life foundation yeah something that from our perspective didn't exist within our sphere of experience yeah. yet yeah because yeah. we were so young you know every generation feels like they've invented music or whatever yeah, yeah. you know and it's like yeah we were the ones who invented shit about shit on the internet <laughs> we were the ones who invented gatekeeping <laughs> No, it was always there, mate. <laughs> and here's Lou in his 30s, in the 90s, mm. complaining about stuff he no doubt experienced at conventions in the 70s, you know? <laughs> uh, and then uh, the sound effect. Oh my Sonic god, this Clobbers is so back. good. I had a good laugh at that. Oh, one. it's so duckular, isn't it? Woof! Yeah, is the sound effect. It's a full panel of a, a black background, a jagged, spinny red spiral, and yellow stars all over it, and woof! Yeah! in huge block letters. Absolutely brilliant. After Sonic has pummeled this man into oblivion. Yeah. Looks like Ryan's just been knocked out of the quiz. <laughs> and Norris comes out a winner at the end of it too, because even though we lost the trivia quiz, everybody wants my autograph because I helped you win. Maybe we should team up more often. <laughs> that number's in the book. <laughs> And that's where it's staying. <laughs> Sonic to himself. Look at that third panel. Look at how Mick fills up a panel. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is the. There's always something everywhere. Yeah, yeah this is the Mobians crowding around Norris to get his autographs. And it's just. The, we've got one in extreme close up. We've got Sonic tucked into the tiny little gap in the corner. Just everywhere is, is full. And this is what, again, as I look back over all of the panels in this comic, it, it's that. It's this masterful filling of space with 
just the right lines. It's just such a shame that the space is filled with such ugly little hobgoblins. I just wish he was drawing decap again or something. Or nice things, one of the two. Nigel on any Sonic strip that McMahon draws. Oh, because Nigel draws such nice little guys when he draws Such Sonic. nice little... And he's got this same skill, but he can just turn it better to cute things more easily. And then, like, I don't want to lose Nigel drawing decap, but, if, but, mm. but Mick was so good there that that's a great place to put him. He was so good at it, though, is yeah. the thing. And I don't think Kitching would have had any, like... If Mick McMahon had been like, excuse me, Mr. Kitching, mm. could I please draw your strip? Yeah. I think Nigel would have fallen over backwards yeah. to say yes. You know, he'd have said yes before the sentence was out of McMahon's mouth. Exactly, yeah. That would, uh, I, don't know, I don't know why they didn't do it that way around. Have Nigel draw more Sonic, have Mick draw more decap. That, that seems like it would have been lovely. Look at this communist... Stasi pig that's dragging off um, Baggett there at Ooh, the goodness. end as well. And by pig I mean ape. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> in his grey full body tunic and his little hat with a big red star on the brim. I didn't even realise he was one of the polis for mm. a moment until I looked at the image twice. Yeah. And then an odd lack of a stringer stinger. Oh. Where, uh, you know, Baggett's very happy that he's been spun attack. What an honour. And Sonic turns to the camera and says for once I'm speechless. You the know, end. because that was a stringer stinger. It just, I just accepted that. Ah, oh, I bet earlier in the strip he made a speech and I've forgotten. But no, he didn't. <laughs> he did not. No, it doesn't make any sense <laughs> whatsoever. Well, it doesn't have to make sense as a joke. It makes sense as a statement. I mean, it's an ending. Yeah, it's um, it reads as the final line of a story where Sonic turns to the camera and uh, things Iris is out. Next issue, Sonic takes the plunge. Hmm. Oh, that's about plunge. It's going to be something to do with sinks. Isn't it? It's going oh, to be yeah, plumbing. Yeah, yeah. The, the toilet will get clogged in the Emerald Hill base. Yeah. And uh... I want it to be that. <laughs> it's not going to be that, but I want it to be. Because no. that would be... Because there's... Pintabor calls the repairman. I mean, <laughs> that's... Like that's, that's five-page strip. That's a McMahon's gag strip, right? Get something to do with toilets going wrong. You'd be great at that stuff. I, I come out the back end of this, I don't know what my conclusion on it is. Like, uh -huh. the story is fine for a little silly five-page Sonic strip in the back of the comic. It's about the sort of level that's just a couple of notches above where I'd go, ah, all right, what else have you got? It's so full of horrible creatures. <laughs> I like it. I'm starting to really tune into it. Yeah, but why do you want why do you want it to look horrible? No, I understand that you're tuned into McMahon. That's the, that's the, the answer, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't want him to draw that. In the comic. I'm starting to wonder, like, um, I mean, I stand by my statement that I'd prefer Nigel on Sonic and McMahon yeah. on Decap. But if we've got McMahon on Sonic, like, what are they, what are any of us expecting? Of course he's going to draw horrible little greebly people. Well, that's it. But that, but then smiling and saying, <laughs> no, I'm tuned into it now. Yeah, it, I am. I feel like you should be more resigned to it. No, I'm tuned into it. I like it now. We've got this artist doing these, these gross guys. And I'm starting to, I am starting to like it. We're doing all this awful stuff that we don't want to look at. I'm, I am starting to like it. <laughs> it's great. I don't want to look at it in the slightest. It's awful. Graphic ah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I nearly said. Speaking of horrible drawings, we don't want to look at. But yeah, I know. I, I had exactly the same <laughs> thought in my head. <laughs> okay, graphic zone. It's a chaotic zone this mm. time. Now, 
I noticed as I turned the page onto this graphic zone, there's at least two names here I think we've had recently. The first picture is by Nicola Bolton from Chorley in Lancashire. And yes, Nicola Bolton definitely recognised yeah. that name. Yeah, we've no, just recently Gonna have to it. actually get the issues out and make a spreadsheet one of these days. I know, yeah. Before the comic's over. <laughs> Someone who's more spreadsheet-minded than us, perhaps uh, <laughs> look into that. And she's drawn a group shot of the Chaotics but sort of coloured differently. Well, you've got a green mighty just one and them. a blue knack. I mean, knack's not normally blue. She may have a limited number of pens to work with. This all, you know, she may well. She's done mighty with a, a green shell instead of red, and knack is—he's not not purple. He's a sort of indigo <laughs> sort of colour. Um, <laughs> everybody is the right colours except mighty shell, and she didn't have a purple pen. And I tell you, who's especially the right colour? Knuckles, who, as we all know, is, is pink. Pink. <laughs> Um, the next one is from Craig Woodhouse in East Harling, Mega Drive 2 owner. This is Mighty flying through the special zone. That's definitely referenced from a piece of Richard Elson yes. art from the first chaotic story, I think. Yeah, and someone else who should have referenced something is <laughs> the, uh, the caption writer who's put, Getting the Knack. Whoops. He might be getting the knack. Maybe if you saw the rest knack, of the picture, yeah. he might be punching knack, but they've, they've certainly cropped it to this, so... We'll never know. Talking about references, actually, we didn't mention it, but Nicola Bolton's definitely drawn on a few references there. That shot of Knack is straight from the final page of the original Chaotic strip. Oh, yeah. And that shot of Knuckles is from the first page of the original Chaotic storyline. Yes. Lots of Elson ref going on here. Mairead Crowley from County Cork in the Republic of Ireland has not referenced anything. And yet. that's a name I've asked you how to pronounce before, right? Uh, Just recently, uh, like a couple of issues ago. Yeah, but... But it might be another one. It might have been another Mairead, yeah. It might be a parade of Mairead's. Uh, that is so recent that it actually shouldn't be too difficult for me to find if I go and look for a moment. Yeah. Got things going everywhere today. No, it was last issue and it was indeed a different Oh, okay then. So actually it's just Nicola Bolton then. Yeah. Mairead Crowley has not done any referencing where she's drawn mm. vector ice skating. Yeah. Yeah. A totally original vector, which is a tall ask for a child. Vector's a tough one. Yeah. He's got earmuffs and, um... Oh, wait, no. Those are probably... Well, they look like earmuffs, but they could be his headphones. But they do look like earmuffs because of the... Because he's got a scarf Scarf that he's got, yeah. Yeah. It's cold out. And he is ice skating. They must be earmuffs. Yeah. They must be earmuffs. Must be. To warm the ears he doesn't have. (laughs) (laughs) Then we have Katie McKenna has drawn Knack parachuting down through some rings. It's some sort of parachuting special zone that he's doing. Yes, I think so. The sky's the limit for Knack, they've captioned it. Yep. And that is Knack that time, so good. It is that time, and he's coloured purple. Yep. To the right, Christopher Ward from Waddington in Lincoln has just sent in a picture of Espio. Yep. He's written chameleon <laughs> across the bottom of it, yep. prompting STC to add SBO the as their own <laughs> caption just above it. Quite possible, I would say, that Christopher might have written, written SBO at the top above it, yep. and the STC have cropped it off to make it better fit the page because this is an image that has not been warped in its perspective in any way. Yes, fair play actually. And he's draw- you, it's difficult to see at first, but he has drawn an omni viewer behind SBO there. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah, you see that? I couldn't tell at all. Because once you, tr- it's because the top frame of the picture of the crop becomes the top frame of the golden frame that the omni viewer has. So you essentially just think it's not really anything, but it's got those little lines in it that make up an omni viewer face. Got his face delineations. Mm. Yes, I couldn't tell what it was at all. Most of which is covered up, so it doesn't really read as a face because SBO is in front of it. I haven't seen the omni. Omniviewer in nearly a year now. Really? up to these days? Well, yeah, the wow. end of the um, issue 100 and everything. Well, I you know? never. 
Um, this is the most interesting one, I think. Yeah, it is. Nick Deacon from Trowbridge and Wiltshire has, and I'm. This is what he's drawn here. Super Espio. He has written that on there. Yep, That's not. They haven't written his own this. Fair hand. It is what he has drawn because it's Espio doing a big gra, but he's all black, which is well cool. Yeah. And he's got. He's shooting lightning out of his hands, and it's kind of curling around him like a sort of barb, like a whip, and it, there's all stars everywhere. It's he's got sharp teeth. Yeah. Dead this cool. Is what super modes are all about. Yeah. Then uh, the last image on the page is one that. God help me. Oh. I keep thinking is an advert that they've stuck on the bottom corner of the graphics zone. <laughs> There's something about the composition of it, yeah. the color choices. Yeah. My eyes just refuse to see it and <laughs> I have to look hard at it to even notice it. It's from Luke Bars in Cambridgeshire who's drawn Charmy B. Yes, but he's drawn it on a computer. And that's Oh uh, yes, of course. That's perhaps, How did I even fail to mention? Well, and that's perhaps part of what it is that he's used a lot of circle tool to make a sort of blobby background, and so that mm. that does read a little adverty. Now here's the interesting thing. What? He's written on there freehand. Yeah. Buzz by dragging his paintbrush to the right. And beneath that he's written in type. Mm. Buzz says Charmy B. And he spelled it with two E's. <gasps> oh yes. Now Gary Knight, the designer, would have laid up this page. <gasps> uh-huh. And Gary Knight, the designer, would have been the one who put the cover text on. <laughs> and would have been the one who added the text to the uh, Charmy pinup. You've done a sleuth there, Chris. Uh, you could be right. Did Gary take his cues from Luke Bars? Luke? Hmm? Sub-editor of STC, this issue. <laughs> Guest editor, Luke Bars. Oh, brilliant. I think you could be right there. Maybe. <laughs> Gary Knight, that's with two E's. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Knight with two E's. She's love, she's love, she's love, she's in my head. Amy. Techno, 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 techno. The Lump. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by Steve White, and letters by Gordon Robson. Amy and Techno respond to a monster sighting in the Timber Village Zone, where they encounter a spongy, lumpy creature that looks fearsome, Turns out to be a nice bloke. A failed experiment of Dr. Robotnik's abandoned when it turned out to be too nice. The girls try to tell the Timber villagers that they've misjudged the lump, but their words fall on deaf ears as the villagers chase the lump across a rope bridge, which collapses under their combined weight. Fortunately, the lump saves everyone by cushioning their fall with his spongy body, and the villagers realise the error of their ways and invite the lump to join their community. So, uh, not great that this is the second time in the past year that Lou Stringer has gone for the here's something Dr. Robotnik created and abandoned whenever it turned out to be a nice bloke storyline. But that was also the plot of Zero Zone back uh, Zero back in issue 107, Zone. the prisoner parody. Oh! Where the computer program that created the, yes. uh, the prisoner town and created Port Marion turned out to be... Yes. Created by Robotnik and abandoned when he turned out to be a nice one. Right, 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 right. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, what else you got? I love that uh, Amy... <laughs> so Amy gets introduced to this guy. And the first point of her investigation, the first piece of information gathering she does to determine who this is, is by punching him as hard as she can in the tummy. <laughs> <laughs> well, she thinks it's a monster. She does. And, and then Techno rips the absolute piss by switching her translator device to monster mode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. Cheers. He, her translator scan. She's brought. She, good job she's brought it along. Because the lump can only go... When Amy punches it, it actually goes... 
Uranu. <laughs> Uranu. Yeah, it does. It actually does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it actually makes the Vic Reeves noise. <laughs> no. Yeah. God. Ooh, hey, why is everyone always speaking? Oh, hey, my voice just changed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's something that's uh, worth pointing out. Amy knows what issue she's in, and she's wearing her heartbreak top. <laughs> oh no, in memory of Seymour Yeah, she's got her, her jumper design this time is a broken heart Yeah, because it turns out this critter isn't attacking the village at all Why did you attack mm. the village, Techno asks I didn't, I only popped <laughs> in to do some shopping He's all Bill. <laughs> I did it! No, I didn't I didn't Honestly, I didn't Not my fault people got scared I would have done, and I could have done, but I didn't <laughs> <laughs> I'm a failed experimenter, Dr. Robotniks. He dumped me because I wasn't nasty enough. Robotnik intended to create an evil monster, someone who'd destroy things. But I'm more interested in handicrafts and pressed flowers. <laughs> pressed flowers. Uh, something that truly only existed in the realm of the Beano in our lifetimes. Like, Yeah, yeah. I think it happened once. I'm sure it's something people really did. I've got evidence it, of that, because in a cupboard, in the least ever accessed cupboard in our house, there was this device of, like, four kind of screws and, like, layers of wood. And when I asked what that was, Mum was like, oh, that's that's my old flower press. And it still had something in it that she did, I want to say maybe even on her wedding or something like that. It was like, it was a thing that they used to do long ago. I don't know what they did. I don't know why. I, did they did they put them on a greetings card or something? I don't know. I don't know what flower pressing was for. It's just a phrase that we only know from comics. Yeah, associated with softies, yeah. wimpos, losers and dweebs. Yeah. I guess that'll be it, softies. I guess we mostly will have heard it from Walter the Softie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Walter the Softie loved to press a flower, yeah. specifically. I like the line. <laughs> when the, I know the line you When made. the bridge collapses. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Techno saves, like... To it's Techno Techno and one. There's four four villagers chase the lump across yeah. the bridge, and the bridge breaks. Amy and Techno were able to reach over the edge and grab <laughs> one each before they fall. And Techno says, "Well, we saved two, but the others are strawberry jam. Strawberry jam. <laughs> Flipping hell. Great. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, because when Amy punched him in the stomach, it was set up." That he's got a boingy stomach. He's got a boingy yes. stomach. It's all soft and squishy and lovely. So he's it's like hitting a sponge. Yeah. So he's like, well, I know what to do here. And of course, we all knew what was going to happen. He gets under them, lands on them. They're all fine. In fact, they spring all the way back up to the cliff. And in fact, look at this Colonel Clink warthog guy. Yes, I know. Look at him. He's wearing a military uniform with little shoulder pads, and he has a monocle. You know, he definitely, definitely talks like that. Yes. This boar, this war who is the zone leader don't feel like we've had that concept name checked in a while oh, yeah. i suppose it was checked back at christmas with basil poultry <laughs> yeah. setting up that town in the in the tale story yeah the zone leaders the that's right individual zone uh, guys who were elected oh that's so that's so interesting because it just reads as the sort of thing you would normally get in this tone of strip like here's the local head animal here's the mayor <laughs> guy you know so he's gonna be a lion half the time this time he's a boar or whatever he is but the fact that that was, in fact, set up in continuity as a thing that Sonic did, like, when they were trying to figure out how to have democracy. That's what I'm saying, you man. They didn't have... They lived in peaceful yeah. anarchy, frolicking naked in the <laughs> wilderness until Dr. Robotnik yeah. brought sin and politics <laughs> to the planet. 
and suddenly there had to be somebody in charge of everybody else because they couldn't just share the fruit that fell from the trees as they cavorted in nature. And then Amy starts lecturing the townsfolk, and she's got absolutely no leg to stand on with this lecture here. Mm. Absolute hypocrite. She punched him in the stomach as soon as she saw him, uh, but now she's saying, well, maybe now you folks will realise it's not cool to judge a dude by looks alone. Yeah, wh- but Amy stopped to listen. Did she? Okay. She did. She stopped. They sat down and talked to the lump after yeah. they started talking. Yeah, after she'd already punched him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but then the, the villagers come <laughs> running out with their pitchforks and torches, and Amy and Techno say, no, hold Hold on, listen. And they didn't stop to listen. You know, Amy immediately learned that her prejudices were wrong, but these guys had to learn the hard way. Yeah. By facing death. Mm, I'm looking back. I think it's more techno that stops to listen. She's the one who says, okay, Lump, Amy's back there probably waiting to punch him again. It's probably annoying. Well, Amy also tries to get them to (laughs) stop. Amy's the one who says, wait, you don't understand. And she's the one who tells them to stop running across the bridge. Okay, yeah, she's, yes, she passed one test sooner than they did, I guess. Yes, that's it, you know, it's like, all right, wind your neck in a bit, love, little come bit. on, but... <laughs> and then we, right, here's the thing, right, you were saying how it's like this is a recycled story, but I was giggling all the way through this, I enjoyed this. Oh, sure, yeah. This is full of lovely little jokes, the name stuff at the end was nice. Yeah, yeah, villager says, you know, it's not fair to insult him with a nickname like The Lump, he should have a proper name, like Steve or Craig. Actually, I always saw myself more of a Keanu. (laughs) Well, I'm sure that Keanu will prove a valuable asset to our community. (laughs) As a bouncy castle, if nothing else. (laughs) Just joking. Don't push your luck. Uh, putting voices to this makes it funnier doesn't it i mean that must have been what i was doing in my head because i was just lolling through this one and of course the strip wraps up with techno going well let's hope they do accept him from now on and amy says well they'll have to like it (laughs) or lump it next issue chasing amy Like, I was just sat there just in a good mood about this and giggling. (laughs) It's a fine little story, but whenever the lump explained his origin, I was like, wow, it's not a reflection necessarily on the story itself, Mm -hmm. but it it is quite illustrative of the types of story that Lou Stringer was telling here, where he just wanted to tell jokey stories, Beano stories, about whatever that month and he had no mechanism for doing that because this is a world with rules where things exist and do not exist so he just has this it's just a blanket excuse reason for why we're doing a spongy monster this issue this is why i'm doing this this is i've done a prisoner parody for two issues um here's why this is in a sonic comic there's a certain aspect of the comic perhaps having lasted longer than it need to have done yeah I would phrase it more so that we didn't need to have strips about all the other Sonic characters as a regular ongoing concern and should have continued to make strips about other Sega video games. Yeah, yeah, honestly. Like, I wonder wonder why they didn't. I know that, I I know. It's it's very easy to understand why they didn't now with the benefit of hindsight, I suppose. That's more of a hindsight thing. Yes, except... The thing is, Sega had that much of a backlog, like that STC hasn't done. That I feel like they could have done things like we've had, like where is the Ristar strip? 
that that's a no-brainer um there are so many things like that well i feel like they wouldn't have wanted to do things now that were from a console that was legitimately dead well that's the thing yeah now you and i don't know what was on the saturn but (laughs) part of that is because they didn't cover it in sonny the comic if they had perhaps we would imagine if they'd kept doing that you know maybe they could have made people excited for panzer dragoon the comic why not why not clockwork night i know that's not seen as that great of a game but for a comic strip why not there's always going to be stuff they made some comics games before already (laughs) exactly attack has gone on forever exactly that's the thing and like and if they all they had to do was keep it up for a year or two years and then you'd be on the dreamcast and now it's a vested interest. There's loads of games coming out then. There's all sorts of things you could cover. Crazy Taxi. Well, yeah. Space a... Channel, whatever. Well, yeah, that's one you could do. Is it, though? Echo. They... Again. Again. <laughs> a new Echo strip. Yeah. Well, look, the series is ongoing. They're doing more Sonic strips. Why not? Why not more Echoes? Why not indeed? Yeah. And so forth. I like it, it would. It would have been better if that's what they'd done instead of... Instead of making the... Instead of this. But it seems the audience responded positively to the idea hmm. of more Sonic strips. And again, this is, a, this is all a very hindsight thing. But these characters are not designed to sustain this. That's the thing, yeah. You can only do so many little stories about how Tails cocks up before you wind up doing a story that's just a parody of TV chefs that Tails happens to be in. Mm, true. True but the kids were enjoying it. You know, we're 15, and the people we hear from who read this when they were younger loved all this stuff, got nothing wrong with it. It's only the same as how we enjoyed the Beano when we were that age, And uh, but this time it's about Sonic, which is sort of inherently fine. I think our age is the problem here. I No, I don't believe, I don't accept that, uh-huh. because I had Sonic the comic when I was 11, when it was yeah. doing all that other stuff. That's it. There's no reason that the 11-year-olds that came five years after me couldn't have had that. Yeah. Except, except, we had Sonic the Comic when we were 12, and we had Sonic the Comic when we were 13. When we were 11, it was kind of doing this. Like, those first few issues. Yeah, but when we were 11, it also had Streets of Rage and f***ing Kid Chameleon. That's it. Shinobi. Where is the comic that's like that, but isn't 2000 AD for kids? Where is that? Why did that market close completely? I don't... I don't know. And it's something we've talked about before, is about that reading STC and seeing children's comics in the uk embodied Mm. across the 90s through sdc is to witness in many ways the death of a medium or at least the shrinkage of it well nearly the death death of one front of it we've had to save it from death yeah Mm. it would be interesting to see not just like track how comics changed but like why they changed like what was going on elsewhere in the world what scandals about children reading rude things were there that might have i don't know that there is anything as much yeah. to that because the big titans of the classic British comics industry, the Beano I'm talking about yeah. there, it persisted and continues to go on today. Mm. The Dandy still had some life left in it 20, for many 20, years 20, after yeah. this point. I think what it came down to is Marvel made their comics properly available on the British newsstand. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because uh, it was in, I think, 93, maybe 94. Yeah. Essential X-Men and Astonishing Spider-Man, the American comic book size cardstock cover Mm -hmm. magazines, which reprinted three issues Mm. of American comics in one for what I think started out at $1.99. That's good value. Blooming heck. Yes, it is. Even back then, it was good value. Yeah. yeah. Never mind about today. I don't even know. How well, like, no. They don't even have card covers anymore today. That's it. No, but I mean back then, that's tremendous value. Yeah. And that came on the heels of the launch of the X-Men and Spider-Man cartoons mm. in the prime slots mm. on Saturday morning television. I've And and previously, Marvel didn't have a big foothold in kids' comics in the UK. They, they oh, were oh, there. Yeah. 
But, you know, previously you had exploits of Spider-Man was the last thing. And I don't think the X-Men had anything at all. And, you know, just a few years before that, like in the mid to late 80s, Spider-Man was such a non-going concern mm. that he shared his comic with the Zoids. Yeah. Spider-Man and Zoids yeah. was a comic that Marvel published in the UK because the superheroes weren't a big going concern. You know, we had Mighty World of Marvel back in the 70s, which had its own original strips and everything. But, but um, yes, there must have been some sort of presence in the olden days for all these STC guys to have been into. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, I think with Kitching and Elson, it certainly sounds like they were just getting the original American books. Didn't we hear about it? Like, they came over with sailors and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> yes, we did. Using them as ballast. Yes, yes. we did. And uh, Lou Stringer, I know, certainly read a lot of Mighty World of Marvel and the British reprints, I think, were, were his introduction mm. to that back in the 70s. But it quietly sort of lost its presence in the 80s, because in the 80s, Marvel UK was all about licensed books. Transformers, yeah. Thundercats, Care Bears. Ghostbusters, was that there? Ghostbusters, of course, yeah. that the other, but I knew there was another one, and mm. that, that was—I think—that was their biggest one mm. because it ran. I think the last issue of Real Ghostbusters might have come out in like 1996. Wow! And when I say issue, it would have been a, a special, merely publishing reprinted issues yeah. uh, after the end of the series itself. Because the last issue of the original Transformers was a winter special published in 1994, two years after the actual comic had been cancelled. <laughs> Wonder why they did that. Well, they were still been making toys, so yeah. it still had a presence. It just couldn't justify. Um, uh, they did at least a special in '93. It might have been a couple of specials in those yeah. years around the holidays: one for Easter, one for summer, one for winter. But yeah, I think I think a large part of it was just the changing face of the industry, and I don't think the bagged tat aspect of comics really came in until the 2000s. No, I don't think so. Whenever they had to compete with uh, the internet, basically, I think. What happened to children's comics in the 90s was Marvel finally got their hooks in. Right. Mm. Now, that's just me. I mean, I'm not a student of mm. the ebb and flow of the industry. So that's just my read on it from the time. Yeah. I'd be perfectly happy to hear from anybody who knows more about this sort of thing than I do. Oh, yeah. And that's why Lou Stringer did a story about a sponge monster in this Sonic comic. Hey, Sonic the Hedgehog! <laughs> la, 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 la. Peacemaker, dear Megadroid, why is it that there is no chance of Sonic making peace with Dr. Robotnik? I think they should both have a rest and a sit down, share some tea, and maybe even throw in a biscuit. After all, it wouldn't surprise me if Robotnik's forgotten why he even wants rid of Sonic. And that's from James Hoare in Croydon, Surrey. And Megadroid replies, Sonic and Robotnik sharing a cosy cuppa, James. Now that... Would be a mad tea party. Oh, mm -hmm. <laughs> Change places! <laughs> move down, move down, move down, move down. I like that turn of phrase, they should both have a rest and a sit down. Because it's like <laughs> James Hoare, when he gets into fights with his brother, that's what his mum tells him he should do. You <laughs> yeah. both need to have a rest and a sit down. And then shake hands and say sorry, he's your brother. Hug him. Can we have a biscuit? No. <laughs> Clueless. Dear Megadroid, I'm a new reader of STC, and I'm writing to ask how I can get hold of back issues. I think the comic's brilliant, but friends keep asking me if I liked the Metallics stories, and I haven't a clue who or what they are talking about. Can you help? And that is from, I think, an older boomer. You know, assuming that There's a tone there, isn't mm, there? The, the term back issues and having all this discussion of things with friends who've been reading it for ages. That is from Leon Walsh, uh, from Hartford in Hertfordshire. Obviously, that's where Hartford is. Uh, in Amal Badge Prize winner. And Megadroid replies, All new boomers take note. 
you can order back issues from the back issues address, which appears above the word recycled in the control zone. And yes, at the bottom of the sort of legal information mm -hmm. uh, column on the inside front page, they have a, a logo saying that it's recycled paper, and above that you've got the address. So yes, back issues, Department BIM. Department BIM. Department BIM. Uh, presumably then, BIM must be the real name of the old man who <laughs> Yay! the back issues department. BIM. BIM is my name. BIM. Yes, that's what they call me anyway. I've forgotten my real name. I've been here for so long. <laughs> and lastly, Prize Discovery is the title of the final letter from Alison Benton in Wishaw, Lanarkshire, who writes in to say, When I was out shopping recently, I discovered some books on how to complete certain computer games. Unfortunately, at nine ninety nine each, they were too expensive for my pocket. All right. Cheers and to the other. What? Alice. Diary Zone. <laughs> Presumably there must have been more to the latter that STC Maybe. cut out. Because why would you just write in with that? Yeah, it's like I, I was walking down the street and I saw a sticky bun in the window and my mum didn't let me have it. The end. Like, well, that's okay. Megadroid, please, can you explain to my mum why I should be allowed to have a sticky bun? No, no, not even. It's just Megadroid, can you please explain this? <laughs> Megadroid does suggest that Alison asks her local library to order the books mm. in, which is, you know, a, a, a good answer. That, Fair idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nothing to do with STC or anything to do with STC. It's like because STC isn't really to do with computer games. Not anymore, to do with computer so. games. <laughs> yeah. No. In fact, they've they've made that clear on the first page of this issue. Stop asking us about computer about games. Computer games! <laughs> Why do you think we know anything about computer games? David Gibbon doesn't work here anymore! <laughs> he was the one who had a computer that they knew. They used to go around his house to play games. <laughs> he had Doom. <laughs> We've had Jessica Brown from Bembridge Isle of Wight before. I'm sure of it. This doesn't jump out at me as a particularly familiar name. I just think we have. Anyway, she's a good artist. She's drawn a picture here of... It's titled The Boys Are Back in Town, and it's Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, and Mighty and Espio, and they're dressed in clothes. Is this a boy band? Is this? It the... looks like a boy band. I don't know if it's specific boy band, but they, they look like a boy band, don't they? Because they've got Knuckles has got a backwards baseball cap on yeah, with his with his hair spines poking through the hole. Um, I, yeah, I, which, which boy? But I think this is a boy band. I just don't know which one. They're wearing floppy nineties. Yeah, oh god, boy yeah. bandy t-shirts and shorts. All very heavily referenced from Richard Elson down yes. to that, from the hand poses to the heads. Every one of them making a new mouth, except for Tails, who doesn't look like a Richard Elson drawing. Everyone yeah. is very much... I don't think necessarily that Jessica has referenced them from pictures of Richard Elson characters making Umouths. No, I think she has learned. put the Umouths on there herself, but they're very good Elson Umouths. Yeah. Maybe they're all meant to be singing. Maybe those little hashtags so. on either side of the title, The Boys Are oh, Back yeah. in Town, is meant to suggest that they're singing. They're singing the song, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a, a sweet little drawing from an Adam Coley from Skelmersdale... I don't know where that is, don't, but I don't know where most of these are, so I don't know why I said it. <laughs> uh, and this is Sonic holding up an American football. He's playing some American football. I, actually, what what's the medium here? He's depicted like it's a picture of him playing American football, isn't it? Dave, Hi. I'm going to take your head. <laughs> He's playing rugby. Oh, I'm so sorry, Chris. 
Yeah, because American football would have all gubbins all over him, wouldn't he? He would have cages about his person to protect him from the scrums. I think what we have stumbled upon here is another bit of editing. Mm -hmm. Because Sonic is wearing the Welsh rugby strip here. Red shirt, white shorts. How is he? Yes. And that is the uh, rugby... Yeah, hold your horses. I've spotted it. Yes, and that is a rugby... um, You know, I'm not sure if they call them goalposts in rugby, but the H shape. Is, right. Uh, this was it. This is what made me think it was American football because of the H thing. But they have that in rugby too, do they? American football goals are those big tuning fork shaped things. Oh, are they? Watch. No, I can't tell you to watch sport. <laughs> no, <but laughs> watch a watch film and television. Yeah. Yes, American football goals are like a curvy tuning fork, but rugby goals are a big H. I'm going to have to go and look at this so that I can have the oh yeah that moment because like yes, that is exactly what will happen when you just type American football goals into Google Images. Oh yeah, yeah, that. it's the it's the top <laughs> part of the H, but it's supported in a completely different way, like a tuning fork. A bit like a tuning fork. Exactly where the eyes would be if it was indeed a giant squid, which it wasn't. That's a fourth dimension quote. Is it? Yes! <laughs> yeah! Well, that was like years ago. I can't remember the quotes. <laughs> but it does look mm-hmm. like STC have... No, I was not even coloured, but I think yeah. cut out and pasted yeah. on a plain red shirt and plain white shorts over what Adam Coley originally drew. So he will have drawn all of the logos and things that they would presumably have. Presumably. Did, do rugby players have that? Do they have sponsorships? I don't know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but, you know, he might. Did, who knows what he drew? Because it seems like they've changed it to the Welsh rugby strip because they've captioned it, STC have captioned it, Happy St. David's Day oh. to STC's Welsh readers. Like when they wished a Happy St. Andrew's Day to all the Scottish readers that yeah. one time in a picture of Sonic. What was he doing? Riding a dragon or something? Something. And I've looked it up and it's the 1st of March. So yes, it makes sense that yeah. they would do that. But it looks doctored because uh, you couldn't tell from the shirt, but the shorts overlap the black outline. Yeah. They look like they have been a little piece of cut out white paper pasted on. Absolutely. Also, Skelmersdale is in Lancashire, so I don't know why, you know, Adam would be drawing the, a picture of a bloke in Welsh rugby gear. You know, Another mm. con yeah. exposed. Yeah. Sonic the con. Ick. Yes, that's what the C in STC yeah. stands for. Sonic the criminal. <laughs> it's a big swizz. The whole thing. In into the our mailbag, or shall we stop as it's nearly six o'clock? It's your letters, it's your letters, it's your letters, it's your letters. There is one thing in our mailbag, and it is a 30 second long voicemail. Hi Dave, hi Chris, it's Guy Kelly here, long time listener, first time writer, sometime guest. Uh, loving the show, as always. Just listening to episode 118, Hologram Like a Bird's Hologram. Um, and I noticed uh, something that one of you folks said, and I just wanted to provide a bit of, uh, bit of feedback on it. <laughs> yeah, he is more of a guy now. He's become more squishy and knobbly. <laughs> Oi! <laughs> All the best, Guy Kelly, Mega Drive owner, Mega CD owner, Master System converter owner. Thanks, like that. <laughs> well, who would know better than a guy? <laughs> and if you <laughs> if you want to join Guy in our STCTP mailbag, then you can. If you are squishy and knobbly, squishy and knobbly. I want the world to know. 
<laughs> you can send your view of the head of a panda, but the horrible knobbly goblin flesh fingers <laughs> of a Mick McMahon movie. In. And we know that you all do more likely than the head of the panda part. Then uh, apply those knobbly fingers to writing to our mailbag at stctpodcast at googlemail.com. And as you have just experienced, we accept recordings. We accept like videos and pictures and stuff. It's you know, it's just those bits won't be seen. So. But on the inside back cover, we can see that next issue will contain three new stories. Oh, this is a uh, half-page ad for next issue with mm-hmm. another Fox Kids. The same, the same Fox Kids Casper ad on the bottom half yeah. of the page. But on the top half, three new stories, including tales, costume dramas. I don't want any more tail strips. I'm sorry. I'm now I'm on a bad foot going into next issue. I mean, I think you're just gonna have to put up with them. I think it's you're gonna have to I'm lump it. Gonna have to like them or lump them. Yeah. <laughs> Amy and Techno green with envy, and Decap attacks back with barking mad. Oh, good. That'll be nice. Plus Sonic. Danger zone, or I guess a dangerous graphic graphic zone. zone, But I wish they'd stop doing that at this point. (laughs) Just say, (laughs) and a bonus Sonic pinup. That's STC number one two five on sale Wednesday, the eleventh of March, nineteen ninety eight, at one pound twenty five. And just as I read that number there, one twenty five, it made me realise I forgot to mention it at the end of last issue, so I must mention it here and now with the passing of issue one two three. Heading into issue one, two, four, this very issue. Mm-hmm. Dave, hmm. we have crossed the two-thirds mark. <gasps> oh! We are now in the third and final act of Sonic the Comic. Act the three. Act three. The bit where it all goes a bit wrong. Final zone. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Right. Well, how shall we survive all of those whirling cogs and mechanisms and zappy things? Stomping pistons coming to stomp down on my head. Yeah, yeah. And if you wish to continue riding this train right through to the end with us, you will find each new episode most places good podcasts are available, but you can't download the next one and all of them directly from our website at stctp.zone. You can find our podcast on all the socials. It's at Sonic Podcast on Twitter. It's at Sonic Podcast on the other ones. Mastodon, Blue Sky, we're over and about there. And we have our own accounts on all of those places. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFeely. And you can also find us on YouTube under those names as well, too. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash stctp, where a donation of any amount that you'd care to give will get you access to the bonus bank of video and audio of us going through the Martin Adams novels, all four of them now, done to completion, Mm -hmm. as well as Dave trying to take me to my final end <laughs> yeah, we by must, reading me. We must be in the final third now of the <laughs> Mobius saga. As written, anyway. Not maybe necessarily as intended, but as written. <laughs> yes. Yes, Dave's terrible old teenage fanfiction, Secrets of Mobius. Yay! Those where things will be by the time you hear this. It's getting sillier. Not in a good way. We've just revisited the Sonic origin story. What's going to happen next? Tune in to find out. I don't know. I have to turn up. (laughs) That is patreon.com forward slash STCTP. Where else would you like to go? What about our opening theme? Did you like the sound of that? You can find that if you go to sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com because it is called Synchronize and it is by Sonic the Comic, the band. But we are a podcast called Sonic the Comic. 
the podcast. And we will see you next time. Sorry, I just heard some noise. Let me just check if that's yeah. Abby coming home or a full-on burglar. Uh, okay, right. I'll just end the podcast now, shall I, yeah?